Thursday, July the 8th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hopefully all of you are having a, a nice week out there as we get set heading into the weekend. And um, got the NBA Finals going on right now. The Phoenix Suns take a 1-0 lead in the NBA Finals. But we're not going to talk a whole lot of NBA because I'm recording this middle of Thursday by the time a lot of you hear it they're already going to have game two so I'll just wait till early next week when we talk with Eric again and we'll recap what happened in games two and game three we'll preview and get you set up for game four of that series what we will be discussing on this episode of that's what G said Friday racing from Belmont and from Woodbine three best plays from from Belmont three best plays from Woodbine we've got thoughts on the Saturday graded stakes races at Belmont uh, nice stakes card at Delaware on Saturday also, so we get into some of those. Then we go wrestling with Chad Cooper. We recap SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW. They're back on the road. Fans for the first time since the pandemic. A huge crowd that was uh, very, very pumped for some live AEW wrestling. And then we get into the old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne. SummerSlam 1988 with Andrew. So we get uh, Friday and Saturday Racing, we're going to get into some current wrestling, recaps of all the shows, old wrestling with Andrew Champagne. And then keep in mind what's uh, what's on the schedule with the NBA. Early next week, we'll recap the NBA Finals. We're going to get to Loki, Episode 5, early in the week with Tim Kelly. Uh, we have Star Wars, Attack of the Clones that we uh, had a discussion with. Matt Velasco all about episode 2 of Star Wars and then we're going to get into Delmar and Saratoga next week so action packed busy as can be we're going to bring in a new uh, Dodger weekly segment after the all-star break and we're going to continue to check in with everything happening uh, with weekly baseball segments probably more like uh, baseball check-ins each show and then maybe a weekly Dodger segment so Continuing our busy schedule here on That's What G Said, presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. Better Than Vegas is a website where you can go and post videos of your wagers each and every day. If you're someone who's into to gambling, you like to play uh, sports, maybe you want to you know gain some more of a, a following. That's a great place to do so. And every week when you post your selections. They will be tallied and you become part of the weekly showdown. And if you win and you have the best ROI and you have the top units, the most positive units of the week, you'll win 250 bucks for nothing. And maybe you're not one who wants to put your videos in yet, but you want to play a lot and you're curious who some of the other handicappers and gamblers uh, have at their selections. Free videos, free content for you. Check in on this place every day before you make your wager. Uh, make your wagers. Look at a few different videos. See if there are people whose angles you like, whose analysis you like. See if they, you know, uh, correlate with yours. Maybe you learn a couple things here and there. Maybe it's it's nothing that you're going to use for that direct day, but something moving forward. I've been playing a lot of baseball stuff, and we'll continue on with that. We'll get into football when football moves uh, on in just a, a couple months. So better than dot Vegas. If you follow them on Twitter at BTV Bets, every day they will post polls for some of the games each night. And if you vote in the polls, one person will be selected for each day, and they will put all those polls together into a parlay, and somebody gets a chance to win the money. Some days it's 150 all the way up to five, six hundred, depending on what the results of the polls are. Are there more favorites that won or 
Maybe sometimes there's a couple underdogs that end up winning, so you get plus money there. Really cool. Better than Dot Vegas literally giving away money with the weekly showdown and then on Twitter. Over at Stable Duel, big weekend with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday loaded contest slate. So Stable Duel, the daily horse racing contest that you just pay however much the entry for whatever contest that you want to get in. The app is free to download. They have free games all the time, including this weekend on Mon- uh, on Saturday at Monmouth. There's a free ride where they give away cash prizes. Those are the good opportunities for you to test the game out. See if you've never tried it before. Maybe test out different theories or different strategies for how you build your lineups. So, Stable Duel Friday. You've got Gulfstream, Pimlico, Woodbine, Monmouth, Lone Star, and Ellis. Games from a dollar all the way up to a $500 double up. On Saturday, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Woodbine, Delaware, Ellis, Lone Star, and Emerald. There's a $5,000 game at, at Gulfstream. It's 100 bucks to enter, 5000 in prizes. At Delaware, there's a $150 game with $10,000 in prizes. And then at Lone Star, there's a $50 game with $2,500 in prizes. That's all on Saturday. Then on Sunday, Gulfstream, Pimlico, Woodbine, Ellis, Lone Star, and Emerald. That is all this weekend. Those are all your options for stable dual contests coming up over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then uh, at drf.com right now, they have a contest totally free to enter. You win, you can win a deluxe trip to Saratoga and sit in a VIP box for the Jockey Club Gold Cup on Saturday, September the 4th. So you can enter to win any time between July 3rd and July the 31st. The winners will be selected on August the 2nd. Grand prize, hotel for two nights for two people, $500 in ground transportation and meal allowance. Air transportation up to $1,000 for two tickets and uh, two DRF clubhouse, uh, clubhouse box seats at Saratoga. They also have 10 five-card formulator plans that they give out. Formulator is what I use for all of my handicapping. So I'm going to post a video and the link where you can check out all the information. And you can literally just click, enter your email, and boom, you're in. So follow along at it's me Gino B on Twitter. I'll post a link for this, and if you uh, are interested, I mean, who's not getting the chance to win a trip to Saratoga? Let's hear a little bit more about DRF and their past performances, and then we're going to get right into the Friday racing uh, first. Before we get into the uh, the specifics about who we like on Friday, let's talk about the past performances and how we get to find who we like. What do we use for me? It's DRF.com and those past performances. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. 
one click to bet now and DRF bets, get real time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com get those past performances out for friday july the 9th now i didn't go too overboard this weekend with the racing because the weather all around is pretty crazy so i didn't want to put in a bunch of analysis and play necessarily a bunch of races if they're all going to get rained off and the complexion of them changes and then you know we've got Del Mar and, and Saratoga on the horizon next week anyways where uh, we'll be looking to get uh, heavily involved but there are still some some good plays this weekend coming up I got three that I'm looking at at Belmont for Friday and then three for Woodbine for Friday and then we hit the stakes for Belmont for Saturday and the same for Delaware for Saturday. So we're looking first at Belmont Friday. We're looking at July the 9th. Let's flip to race number three. This is the first level allowance, uh, mile and a 16th on the turf. Of course, keep an eye on the uh, the weather over there. It has not been great. Miss um, Dracaris is interesting to me. The, the, the race shape of this doesn't part- look to be particularly quick early on. And she's going to be stretching out from six furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth. She's going to put two starts together. This will be her second start at Belmont after coming over from Santa Anita and had a short little break uh, between April and June. So second time Belmont, second off the short little break. Not a whole lot of speed in here. She's drawn well to the outside so she can break and then see if you know, Star Command goes or somebody else decides to get aggressive. Maybe she'll she'll sit second. If not, she can uh, she can lead this field in here. I think that'll give her a, a nice opportunity. Miss Dracaris here in race number three at Belmont Park on Friday. You know, anything around seven to two or so feels fair. She's six to one on the morning line. In race number seven is going to be our. Uh, our next play here, you know, the sixth race, uh, going a mile on the turf course, Mo ready. Just make sure to throw the two into uh, some of your rolling exotics, who should sit pretty nicely, uh, making her uh, making his second start at four. They took a shot on the uh, the dirt last time out. That race was in the slop. Gets back to the turf now with the uh, the race under his belt. Should be a lot fitter with that one. So throw him in in the sixth. 
in the seventh, I do like the seven in here. I love Jackson. This is a horse who has won at this level, who's beat for, who's beat open first level allowance company. He's been facing open company against you know at the claiming ranks as of late. But when you really dig back, he is a little bit of back class. He he will get plenty of pace in here to chase. So when I look at races, I'm gauging. You know, for me in my head, it's like all I always have to see a horse. Be able to get the kind of trip in order to win to play them, right? So I'm if I'm there's a horse that I like, you know, and they're a long shot, but their speed and there's a bunch of other speed, and I can't envision them getting getting away or getting the kind of trip they need. It, it doesn't make me feel good. Why I feel good about I love Jackson in this particular spot is you got Seafoam from the inside who's going to be flashing speed. You got three Jokers who's going to be close up. You you've got two early. Who will not be too far out of it? You got Daddy Knows, who's going to be flashing speed, and Dane Barry. So the the way that this field is, there are three horses I feel like could get the trips that I think can win this race: Bourbon Bay, Too Early, and I Love Jackson. Because I feel like there are going to be probably four horses pushing the pace in this field. So I'm I'm down to okay the based on trip and and then right. Sometimes you're just wrong in how you project the pace of a race, and that's fine. And that doesn't mean I'm I'm completely sold against. Like I'll look for a horse like you know, you know maybe three jokers is a little bit more tactical. He can sit off a, a little bit, which he's proven. But in this race, if he's sitting, he's gonna get caught up. So that doesn't mean those horses can't win. But I just don't envision them as horses I could play to win or really key on. So I'm down to two early Bourbon Bay and I Love Jackson as the horses who I think. Get the the most beneficial trip in here, and so I'm always going to lean to a horse that's a really nice price, and a horse that we've actually seen win at this level before. We know he can do this. We know he can do this at Belmont. He just needs the right kind of trip, and this might be the field that he gets it against. The number seven, I love Jackson. If we can get anything over eight to one, that's a, that's a fair price on I love Jackson. As we move along to race number eight. Uh, this one's a mile and a 16th, optional 80, non-twos. I go to the 9, Bramble Queen, who's going to go second start off the seven-month break. In She's faced some some pretty nice ones. Uh, Call Me Love was dropping out of Stakes Company. Um, two starts back, went behind uh, a next-out grade three winner. So Bramble Queen, who's going to put a couple starts together now, she's a little bit sneaky with her overall form. You can put a line through the race where... Uh, she fell mid-turn because she bounced back nicely off of that to, to come back and finish second behind Xenophobia. Talked about the strength uh, of the last two races that she comes out of, was only beaten the length, and should be a lot sharper. The 9, Bramble Queen. So over at Belmont on Friday, the uh, third race, the 6, Miss Dracaris, we'd need around 7-2. to two. In the 7th, the uh, number 7, I Love Jackson, we'd need around 8-1 to one at least. And in the 8th race, the 9, Bramble Queen, we'd need around 5-1 to one to make a, a win wager there on that one. So that is Friday over at Belmont Park. Let's get you over to Woodbine for a couple plays for Friday. Three plays for Woodbine Friday. Let's turn to... So you get the past performances out for Woodbine, July the 9th. We're looking at race number two. We've got five claimers, non-winners of two. Um, they're going to go seven furlongs in here. I'm looking at the five beat the rush who takes the blinkers off. Now, she was making her first start on June the 25th since November the 12th. And she broke 
a step slow And then she got stuck inside Behind horses in tight Shuffled back nowhere to go Searching for room That was against 15 non-twos Now she drops in against the 5 non-twos Gonna go second start off of the long long layoff Takes the blinkers off And she Her best career effort, her win Came on October the 29th When going 6.5 Let's look at her Races leading up to that And we can make some legitimate excuses And so she probably looks a little bit better overall Than her just 1 for 6 form Because yeah she was 7th beaten last time out But she ran a lot better than that She very easily could have been You know 3rd or 4th in, in that field with, with a little bit of racing luck She just didn't get any opportunity to run And you're not going to be able to, to Just be awesome off the bench But <clears throat> we look back at Career debut so, you know, she's in against a little bit of tougher, and she has some trouble. She has a bad start, and then she has some traffic. Again, she has a bad start in her second career start, but that's going long on the turf. So let's put that put a line through that. Okay, she doesn't want to go long on the turf. She tries going long on the synthetic, shows, you know, a little bit of early, like, tactical speed, and then backs up, probably just a little bit farther than what she wants, comes back and wins. And then on November the 12th, she faced winners, and you know what? She ran a little bit better then it looks on paper. I know I said that a couple times, but she was in a field of 14 that day, and she actually was involved. And she's just a little flat late. That was her final start of 2020. So, you know, she wasn't at her best then. Needed the uh, the 25th race of June. I think beat the rush. Number five, plenty of things to like. Anything around five to one feels worthy of a win wager in the second race at Woodbine. We move to race number five. We are looking at. The four horse in here, Amberwood. Amberwood came off of a layoff from October of 2018 to June of 2021. That is, and, and she ran really well. I say she because that's Amberwood. He, he ran really well. So he, he moves nicely up the rail. He's towards the back, but he's not too far out of it. He's kind of behind a, a pretty, pretty like tightly bunched group. Maybe six lengths off or so But right towards the back And then there's an opening on the inside And he just shoots up that seam And he gets right into the race All the way up, he splits horses He actually takes the lead In the middle of the stretch But he, of course, is going to get a little bit tired late When some of the others start doing their best running And they've just got so much more recency and fitness That was his first start since 2018 And he ran great Every right to get tired If he improves a little bit off of that And why won't he And I don't think It wasn't like he's carving out the pace there He got an opening He moved into it He ran well But I don't think he ran like so hard That he's going to necessarily bounce off of this race It wasn't like he ran a career best number or anything He's got some backlash too Look at the races that he You know he was in and competitive in Before that long layoff The 9 year old Amberwood Give me anything around 7-2 to two on Amberwood That feels fair in this spot As we move along to race number 6 I'm just looking at the 2 fielder uh, This is a 5 furlong turf sprint And if you, you look at some of the The last couple races that fielder comes out of Really the February 10th race was the key one When behind next out winning Captain Ron Anything comparable to that Would fit nicely here It, it looks like he likes His surroundings right now With a good recent work up at Woodbine very, very capable barn with the right type of horse off of any sort of a small layoff or 
you know, with a new, you know, first time for their barn. Good spot for Fielder. He feels a little too high on the morning line. I had him pegged more like a 6-1 to one shot. And he's 15-1 to one on the morning line. So those are the three for Woodbine Friday for me. In the second, the number five beat the Rush. We'd need around 5-1 to one or so. In the fifth, the number four, Amberwood. We'd need 7-2. to two. And in the sixth, the number two, Fielder. We'd need around 6-1 to one to play this horse uh, on the square. So that is Friday for Belmont. Friday for Woodbine. We're going to get you to Saturday in just a moment. But first, we want to let you know about OldSmokeClothing.com quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. High quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. T-shirts, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats with the names of uh, famous horses, big races, slogans, racetracks. Show the horse racing fan in you. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order from Old Smoke Clothing. Yeah, that's right. No shipping cost on your order when you use the promo code G-I-N-O. OldSmokeClothing.com Let's get to Saturday, let's start with Belmont Park. A couple graded stakes races on the menu for Saturday at Belmont Park. Fingers crossed that the weather cooperates because uh, we do have a couple nice ones here with the the seventh race and the grade one Belmont Oaks. So let's get the past performances out for Belmont <clears throat> for Saturday and let's flip to race number seven for July the 10th. So Santa Barbara is going to get a lot of money. Lightly raced, monster breeding. She's super logical. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to play horses like this on the win end. And I don't even really see her as just like a single in exotics. The quick turnaround is what concerns me. She just raced on June the 27th. Now she's here on July the 10th ready to run. That's That seems pretty quick. I'd rather go to the two Serona who has an extra week. Now, she was in a race last time out where she was 10th, but she was only beaten just over three lengths, and there was not a whole lot of passing. Joan of Arc, who won that race, just sat perfectly right off. Probably a tad longer than Sorona once. This is actually probably a tad longer than where she's at her absolute best, but she still should get a nice trip. She doesn't have to be too far out of it. And I'm just not really impressed with all that, like, do you, does it feel like any of these U.S. Phillies in here are, like, true, true grade one types right now? I don't know. So I'm leaning, you know, I got I have Santa Barbara under, and I'm, I like Serona. And if you can get Serona, who's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, or anything over 5-1, to 1, I think that's very fair. I'd use along with the 5 and the 8 GAMS mission of the U.S., Based horses and the U.S. contingent I think she is in really nice form Right now and I visually I love What she's been doing lately feels like she can run all day I mean No knocks on Colima I, I just feel Like she's a cut below this type Wouldn't be able to win this type of a race Going a mile and a quarter so let's lean Towards Serona with uh, Santa Barbara and Gam's mission underneath Need around 5-1 to one on Serona for, uh, for the win wager in the 8th race at Belmont, it's our old friend, Super Sensational. We love this filly. I like her. She she runs. She I, I sort of know what I'm going to get from her in that she tries really hard. And her form is better than when you go race by race because she's had some legitimate trouble. She got a t- 
terrible ride in the Silver Bullet Day. She got a bad ride in the Rachel Alexandra. She got a good ride in the Fairgrounds Oaks, and she was just third best behind Travel Column and Clarier, two nice fillies. She came back in the Eight Bells. Again, she got a less than beneficial trip where she was down on the inside. She had some trouble. She wasn't going to win that day. She might have been able to finish. You know, she might have been able to finish closer to second or third. You know, a place or two better than she was in fourth, and definitely the margin much closer. She, I mean, this is a good spot for her. Red Ghost has some speed. Uh, Australasia isn't slow. She showed that she can sit off a little bit. Shop Girl has speed. Uh, Overcharged has speed. Miss Brazil wants to be close up. Bella Sophia wants to be close up. And Inject doesn't want to be too far out of it. And Super Sensational is probably the lone, true, honest closer in this field. On, the most on like who wants to really sit off horses and not be right up in the mix at, at a sprint distance. I think she's the one that in this spot should actually enjoy sitting and passing the most late. So this is a good spot for her. You know, it, can one of these speed horses just run away from the rest of the field? Sure. The one that intrigues me the most is Overcharged, who freaked. In the debut at Delta And then went over to Monmouth And won impressively in the slop Saez jumps aboard She's a She's the one that I'm sort of interested in I think You know Miss Brazil is fine um, Shop girl solid Red ghost Nice Kind of had a weirdish trip Where Was passed And then came back on again Late In the Miss Preakness but let's go with the five super sensational getting the trip again. In the rolling exotics, if you're playing late exotics, I would use probably single the five super sensational on one ticket and then four, five, and seven on another. Australasia, like, we literally can't knock anything she's done. She is a perfect six for six. And she kept winning against Louisiana Breads early on, but then she... Beat Open Company at Churchill in an allowance, and then she goes in a stakes race at Belmont Park, and you know she wins here after getting shuffled to the back in a group of five in a race where she was not supposed to just win easy. She's nice, so I think you have to use Australasia in any of your rolling exotics. I've got the five with the the seven and then the four, and I will play the uh, the five if we can get anything around five to one or so. In the Belmont Derby, I mean, what are we going to do with the two Bolshoi Ballet? Was it just too far last time out when he was heavily favored and just backed up, sitting a pretty close trip? Back-to-back group three wins leading up to that. You probably don't want to completely leave him out of your late pick fours and late pick fives and stuff. I definitely couldn't play him to win. Um, this race, I, I feel like I like... A couple of the U.S. horses a little bit better Than I do um, In the Belmont Oaks I do think Hard Love And DeJour are legitimately Nice horses And they might be this good Like They feel like they could be grade 1 types Or beat a good Horse coming in here for Aiden O'Brien The the one that I'm, I want to make sure I use in the Exotics too And, and we've got to make sure That you get at least like 10 to 1 Or so on Cellist because he does need to improve. But I love what I've seen from him in his last couple starts. He has some speed, but when things didn't go well for him early on, he's been able to come from way off the pace if he had to. There is not that much speed in here. He couldn't be, I mean, worse than third or fourth early. 
you know, there there are a couple others that are <clears throat> that are probably naturally faster than him. But I don't think he's too far out of in here. He continues to improve. I think there's some upside with him. He's going to have to improve, so I don't want to take less than 10 to 1 on him. But uh, I will use him in exotics along with the 2, 5, 6. I'll try to build some of them around the 8 uh, cellist and hope he, we can get him to hit the board at around 10 to 1, and we'll use 2, 5, 6 underneath. So that's Belmont Saturday there. 7th, 8th, and ninth, three graded stakes races. In the 7th, I'm looking at the 2. I'd need around 5 to 1 or so. I'd be using with the 5 and 8. In the 8th race, I'm looking at the 5 Super Sensational. I'd be using along with the uh, 7 and uh, the 4. I'd need around 5 to 1 or so there. And then in the ninth race, uh, the number 8 Cellist, I'd be using with the 2, 5, and 6. We'd need around 10 to 1 or so there. Demand the, the price on Cellist because he will have to improve. But he can. Belmont. For Saturday, and uh, we're now going to head on over to Saturday for Delaware, as uh, Delaware has some stakes races there. So get those past performances out for Delaware Park for Saturday, July the 10th. So there are three stakes races I want to look at for Delaware for Saturday. Let's start in the fourth. We got the Dashing Beauty here, and there's a six for a long sprint where you got the undefeated Chub Wagon. You got Hello Beautiful, who's really talented and was only beat by Chub Wagon uh, by a neck last time out. And you've got Euphoric, who's in, in really nice form. I thought this was a, a pretty strong group here lining up. And the horse who I actually think is worth throwing into any kind of rolling exotics you're playing or maybe even betting to win, the four Paisley Singing. So Paisley Singing was behind Chub Wagon and Hello Beautiful last time out. That was going six furlongs. And you add euphoric into this field now and you add even glory dia who isn't slow ava's charm is also pretty quick they may be going fast in here now in the rolling exotics what what i like is that chub wagon and euphoric have shown that they can sit off a little bit if they have to and so i give them the benefit of the doubt, if things go quick early on, they have enough positional speed, but they've also shown that they can raid off and pass horses. So I like that. But I, I like Paisley singing, getting a better trip, getting a better race shape in this field than she did when she faced Hello Beautiful and Chub Wagon last time out. It's really hard to leave Chub Wagon out, but I'll try to build around Paisley singing, see if we can get this filly to hit the board here. And that would be great. We'll use her along with the uh, the six and the two, and we'll we'll play her to win if we can get anything over. You want around eight to ten, nothing less than eight. Ten is about where you would want to try to draw the line, because she does need the trip, she does need the race shape. But I do feel like she's capable. As we move along to the fifth race, this is the uh, the Robert Dick Memorial Mile and Three Ace on the turf course, the seven. Luck Money was getting really good last year. Wins back-to-back. Wins the stakes race at Belmont. And then they, they take a shot in the grade one American Oaks. And that was in December. And was chasing Duopoly that day who won going gate to wire. So Luck Money is off from December to June. Comes back in June. With a good start, but was taken back a little bit. Ends up kind of in between horses, chasing lone speed. Has to kind of back up a little bit. And Blame Debbie is able to sneak away there. Luck Money angles out to the three path. Was a very solid second that day. But now gets a race where, the again, 
there is a little more speed. You've got Candy Flower, who's quick. You've got Blame Debbie, who's quick. You've got a Tonal Verse, who's not slow. Won't be way, way out of it. And then you've got Delika, who's going to be close. It wouldn't be shocking to see Law Dragon T. Not too far out of it. So there are a lot of other pace possibilities in this race that should help to give Luck Money the kind of trip that she needs. She's going to go second start off the bench. I think it's a great spot for Luck Money, who is 10 to 1 on the morning line. She feels much more like a 5 to 1 shot. So if she is 5 or anything over that, we're going to play her to win. As we move along to the ninth race. At Delaware on Saturday Um, This is the grade 2 Delaware Handicap And the obvious favorite in here is Bonnie South Who probably gets the pace to run out in here With Gibberish and Miss Marissa She was behind Latruska last out She had a good win in her first start At 4 in April I mean she's the one to beat And I, I can't even really get too cute in here If you're trying to beat her for me It would be Dream Marie the problem with Dream Marie, like she's really she's capable of really big efforts, but she just doesn't put them. She's not consistent. She doesn't put them back to back. She does like Delaware, and she if she is in the seven to two range, she's one that I I think is worth. You know, it, it's enough value in banking on this could be one of the days that she jumps up with one of those really big performances because she's coming off a good one that was in the slop. But that was still her second start off the bench. We can make excuses for the last two races. Where it was her first start in a few months. We can make a, an excuse for the, the February race at Gulfstream. Where she was sent to the bench for a little bit. Uh, prior to that she had a bad start. And she was behind a sharp Pacific Gale. Behind the sharp Latruska. So you can start digging into her form and making excuses for her. 7-2 to two is what we need for Dream Marie. Uh, so yeah, nothing too crazier outside the box in the Delaware Handicap. But 3-5. and five, Look like the uh, the logicals and the and the, the horses to include in, in any exotic. So, at Delaware on Saturday in the fourth, the uh, the number four Paisley singing will use along with the six and the two in the fifth. This is my best play of Delaware uh, uh, Saturday and, and probably of the weekend. Uh, the seven luck money, who's ten to one morning line. If we can get around five, that just feels really really nice. And then in the ninth, the uh, Dream Marie. There we need around seven to two. So, best of luck. On Friday and on Saturday with uh, your racing at where we at Belmont, Woodbine, and at Delaware. Before we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, we want to let you know about the champ. We were telling you uh, about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, winning all sorts of awards as a full-service realtor. That means she can help you out with selling, with purchasing, with leasing. She can help you finding vendors like a handyman, a painter, a landscaper, a gardener that she's personally used and and that she's you know had help her with a lot of the homes that she's worked with and, and the homeowners that she's worked with. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a loan. She can help you. She has a bunch of lenders she connect you with that uh, she can highly recommend. And she covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. But let's say you're located somewhere else around the country. And you just don't have um, someone local that you know that can help you with your home. Let Cindy know. Get in contact with her at cindycarava.com. She can get you connected with someone that she trusts, someone that she knows in your area. She can help do a free market analysis of your home's value. cindycarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Be sure to let her know that uh, that Gino sent you. 
We're going to send you on over to uh, Wrestling with Chad Cooper segment This week in wrestling We've got Smackdown, Raw, NXT, AEW Recaps and reviews Thoughts on everything happening on those shows All the major storylines Positives, negatives If we didn't like something What could we possibly do? How could we change it? How would we change it? What would we like to see? Predictions You name it We've got it in a really action-packed this week in wrestling segment where we go for uh, about an hour and 45 minutes bouncing all around because the, uh, the there was a lot to discuss. Chad Cooper joins. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only... Chad Cooper! Oh, it's time for your favorite segment of each and every week. It's time for This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper, where we will bounce around. We'll talk about everything happening in WWE from Raw and SmackDown. We'll get to NXT, and then we'll get over to AEW, where they had fans back. A really, really energetic show. Lots of positives. A couple things that thought that could have gone a little bit better, but um, lots of news and lots of buzz coming out of that AEW show. Also, Coop Loop is here with us. Coop, we are coming up on Money in the Bank. We got a good feel last night, what it's like to have the fans really, really back with Road Rager. In I'm I'm really pumped because in about two weeks we are going to be really back to where we've got fans for all of these shows again, and I think that's just going to lift up the quality of show that we're seeing in all of these products. Yes, I totally agree. It seems like uh, what was hey a fantastic uh, idea, innovative what WWE has done with the Thunderdome. I thought it was you know it has been spectacular. Um, but it seems like they're kind of limping to the finish line a little Absolutely, bit. Absolutely, right. And, and hopefully they're saving some good stuff. I mean, hey, even Tony Khan mentioned uh, that they were saving some good stuff uh, for the fans, and we saw some of that on Wednesday night. So hopefully WWE is doing the same, and in a couple of weeks uh, it's all systems go for uh, both companies. So we're going to get into SmackDown as – I guess the unfortunate news coming out the last couple of days is that um, Uso again uh, gets caught with a, a DUI, I believe, and it's unfortunate because right now, you know, both of the Usos are in this main event angle with Roman Reigns, where they've been such a big part of the show. Um, it's it's really unfortunate, and you know, you you. I, I go out and have a, a few drinks. We all do, Koopa Loop. Sure. In, in this day and age, you know, with the Ubers and the ride shares and everything going on, and you know, and some and and just the op- obviously he's he's not hard for money. You know, you just would you'd like to see someone be a little bit smarter in situations like that. And that this has become a problem because this is you know repeatedly, and you hate seeing it when he's given he's been giving this huge opportunity right now. You know, it sort of makes you feel like, damn, this is the biggest. Most prominent role he's ever had And, and it, it really didn't matter That much to him It sucks right? It, uh, no other way to put it than it sucks um, We don't know 
what really goes on behind closed doors that we've mentioned many a times every week here. You know, uh, this is a tough life, even if you walk the straight and narrow, uh, even if you're in the straight edge society, it's a you know, it's a tough life. Um, it, it's a shame because uh, that has been uh, the best storyline. Um, in WWE for quite some time now, uh, especially since WrestleMania in a time that uh, they needed it. And uh, it has been compelling week after week. It's been uh, something that you tune in to SmackDown for and watch and see it. Uh, you know, with Edge coming back last week uh, or the week uh, two weeks ago and re returning again this week uh, with his big segment, um, it's just... It's really frustrating, um, not only, you know, for the company, for the fans, but uh, uh, for for the Usos, both of them and Reigns and for everyone involved in that storyline, because, uh, you know, I, I'm not casting stones, but, you know, this is not the first time, you know, this has happened. And uh, you just hope um, it's it's a problem that you can get, it, you know, get a hold of pretty quickly because we've seen so many good wrestlers, not just wrestlers, but, you know, sports, actors, actresses, you know, waste a lot of it. And, uh, man, the, these these things aren't cheap. These things aren't cheap at all. And uh, I just hope it, get it he gets it fixed because, as you said, the fans, uh, you know, he comes out in a couple of weeks or he's out, in, you know, in front of the fans. They're going to give him the business. Yeah. And, um yeah, it's 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 nothing. Yeah, like I said, nothing, nothing positive, uh, really, uh, uh, to to say about that as we get into SmackDown. We just uh, hope everyone can you know can improve and can kind of better themselves uh, for uh, for everyone together. But we are getting a lot of edge now on SmackDown, and, and it's good. You know, Edge had a little bit of time off. You kind of looked around the lay of the land right now, and there wasn't anyone that really felt like they should be a challenger for Roman. And I don't know if Edge is going to win the title. I don't think Roman should lose that title for a while. He's doing some yeah. really good work there. I think it's got to be someone that you build for a while. Like, the, there isn't right now, um, there... Yeah, there isn't that like everything's going with good, good with Edge, but it just it still doesn't feel like there's that guy for Roman like there is with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Sure. You know what I mean? Like there's sure. not that natural. Who's the who's the main storyline we're the most excited for? Who's the one that we really feel like they can? Like maybe a Seth babyface turn. I've been I've been barking up that tree for a while, you know. But he's got a lot of work to do still there to like to make the fans care about him again. Um, Edge at least is a good. A good stopgap for a little while And I'm sure Seth is probably going to be Involved in this some way shape or form With him kind of being upset That Seth is getting the title shot now So I'm, I'm kind of curious Where they're going to go and I think On uh, the next edition of Smackdown We're going to get a, a Rollins versus Cesaro Money in the Bank qualifier I believe Yeah you know I think it's too soon uh, for, for Seth and Roman I, I don't know if that's something They will go with Uh for a WrestleMania, because that that storyline that needs to be told over over time. There's you know they came up together, uh, the Shield. You know I could see Edge and and Rollins having a program. Uh, you know it, it's you would think that Rollins, uh, you know maybe wins the Money in the Bank qualifying match with Cesaro. I can see it going the other way um, as well. I, you know. I, 
Seth, you know, brings a lot to the table in that match, but you know, those matches are so good. Uh, they're all going to have their highs in that moment. Uh, it will be interesting to see who wins that match. Uh, if I had to bet on it, I would say Seth because Cesaro's kind of been on a losing streak a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know, it kind of seems like, uh, you know, how many times a week, you know, they put on hell, you know, great matches, those two, but you know, WWE goes to that well often a lot with with these rematches and, and these matches. And, and look, last Friday night was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They have wrestled, you know, a dozen times in WWE at least over the last couple of years. Phenomenal, you know, match, especially when it's a when you have a gimmick, a stipulation, a last man standing. That was fantastic. But with this one, you do have a stipulation here. But it'll be interesting to see if if Edge gets involved, if someone gets involved in that match, or it's a clean pinfall. I kind of uh, it, It's pretty funny how much The uh, the no crown is getting to Corbin it, It's kind of making me laugh How, how like de- depressed he is Now that he's not the king it, it's, it's just something Right? It's more than just him being the same thing And I'm not sure what this is going to lead to But um, It's it's hilarious. I like it. It gives it a little bit of a different wrinkle to his character instead of just being the he cared so much about being the king, you know, like who cares what he did. You know, that's that's great. Like, I like this. It's, um, you know, with the car getting towed, uh, you know, <laughs> bugs just pouring it on. Just, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just over the top. And he's he's, you know, look, give Baron Corbin a lot of credit. He is uh, he he he's. He's done everything he was asked to do. Uh, people kind of got tired of him a little bit. I'm a huge Baron Corbin guy. I think the depression, uh, him just, uh, you know, this is not funny. I, you know, I have nothing to wrestle for anymore. You know, I'm no longer the king. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this because you can't do another Shinsuke Corbin match. I, I You know, we had the tag team. Um, you know, Boogs was, you know, distractive. They they played the video of the car getting towed, uh, Big E and Shinsuke, you know, with a win over Apollo and Baron. I, I don't think you could do Corbin and Shinsuke anymore. I guess maybe you try to tie this into some kind of king of the ring, but, you know, we haven't, you know, I don't know when they would do that. Maybe the fall after SummerSlam is definitely not going to be before. Is, uh, you know, one, one, I guess, sort of gripe, and, and I, I just, Bianca's kind of felt a little... Not, I mean, just kind of there, you know, like recently. And I, I don't dislike what's been going on with Bailey. I think her work with Bailey has been good, and I think Bailey's been pretty good there. But I don't know if, I guess there's, some, I, I've just felt a little bit something missing from Bianca, just kind of trying to take that next step forward. Maybe, and maybe it'll be different when the fans come back. You know, sure. maybe it's just that it's been hard because we, I'm not seeing the kind of reaction that she's getting, but. I guess I'm feeling a little bit of a disconnect. Maybe I just expect a little more and want a little bit more from her. And I, I just, you know, from I'm I'm so high on the women in WWE right. and in NXT. You know, we we see how well they're handled in in NXT. They're not handled quite as well on the main roster when they come up. We've seen it with Rhea. The stuff with Rhea and Charlotte on the other side isn't great. Um, now Nikki's losing and stuff already, and I don't know, you know, and it just it, it's not consistent. So I just want. I want to see her continue to be built strong, um, but it looks like I think we're probably going to continue to go with uh, Bianca and Bailey uh, one more time for uh, you know uh, another match with the, a gimmick here. Yeah, I quit match. Uh, it, it was a an interesting kind of weird promo. You know, Bianca 
what I can, what I kind of get frustrated with with her, and I've said this numerous times uh, on this week in wrestling. Um, you know, she's just smiles a whole lot, even during promos, even when time to get serious. And then she was getting serious, and and I, and it just didn't feel natural, really, mm-hmm. because it, it, I don't know. And that's a both- Vince thing. Remember with Finn. Yeah. Like he tells people to just smile all the time, especially the baby. Like he Weird. thinks if you're a baby face, you just have to be smiling all Not, the time. Yeah, and it just it doesn't seem it, it seemed forced. Uh, you know, as we went along, I don't know who if we're waiting on Sasha Banks to return um, uh, to give Bianca someone. Uh, this has kind of lasted a little long for me. Uh, I assume that Bianca is without a doubt going to win this match. Uh, Bailey doesn't, you know, as much as I like Bailey, and I would love to see Bailey champion again. She's had it for so long; she doesn't feel like she's going to win any match in this, you know, it, it when when it's singles. Now we'll see a tag team match where somebody gets rolled up without, you know, with um, without an issue. But you know, this probably needs to end this. You know, here at, at the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view with the I Quit match, um, you know, will Bailey say I quit? Will somebody pass out and the referee calls it? I don't know. But the promo really just didn't do anything for me. Um, it just seems kind of, you know, I like the laughing and the giggling from, from Bailey because it's, she's, you know, kind of being goofy and trying to be a heel for, for what it's worth. But, nah, it's just, it, it's... After this match, and I'm sure it's probably going to be a very good match. It will. Their matches yeah. have been very good, but the feud, the storyline hasn't done anything uh, for me. We got, a, as you would expect, a really good last man standing from okay. KO, Sammy. I mean, these guys are just going to uh, go check this one out if you haven't from last week on SmackDown. KO gets the win, which is so funny. Everything we thought about KO for the last few weeks has just been... <laughs> Ass backwards right like yeah. he made it Seem like he was leaving with a tweet Then all of a sudden he shows back up and then we see Him in this qualifier and it's a last man standing So we're thinking okay this is the way To write him off TV for another month or two but No now he's in the money in the bank <laughs> And now you know and look anytime He's in a match he's a viable Option to win, to sure. win it. And, and, and Absolutely. I can see him you know winning the briefcase But you know this match Is uh It, it was just solid I mean I'm not the biggest Sami Zayn fan. Um, I have liked his character over the last couple of months, uh, but this was just a you know one of those. It reminded me of a really good wrestling match with stipulations involved and what these two guys do and put their bodies on the line um, is just a- incredible. And it was a it was a hell of a match, an incredible finish. Um, we'll see if Sami gets involved in the Money in the Bank ladder match to kind of cost KO. Um, it seems like they kind of have a, just a running storyline for their careers here in the WWE. So, but you know, kudos to both men. It was a hell of a match. We get Zelina Vega back, which is great, but sure. so we, she loses right she off loses. the bat, which is just bizarre. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, look, the surprise, fantastic, especially after what we saw in AEW, right? And um, she had all like, she had a bunch of really bad, like a bad Ending breakup sure. with the WWE To where it's like people thought she was going to be In some sort of a lawsuit or something And then we heard she might be in AEW And then boom she shows up here Which a lot of, and then her husband shows up in AEW Two nights later <laughs> right. So it's like everything we thought about her was was Off she was uh <laughs> letting Meltzer Know about it uh on uh, on Twitter Throughout the week too <laughs> yeah you know It's uh 
you know, I am all for surprises. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's good. I, I welcome her back. I think she's better in ring, even though she's tiny. I think she she deserves uh, to be uh, in the WWE, in, in the wrestling ring. She's a great valet, too. But I think, you know, she's good enough to compete. Um, and I like her in that spot in the Money in the Bank uh, qualifying match because she's going to have some great spots. I am all for Liv Morgan. She's fantastic to look at. She's gotten so much better in the ring. I am behind her push. I, I, I just didn't think it. why they needed to have Liv Morgan beat. I mean, you kind of like, okay, this we're going to bring you back, Zelina. And all is well, but remember, you were still ugly to us. Yeah. So we're we're gonna punish you. Now this could. We're gonna pay you a lot of money. (laughs) We're gonna pay you a lot of money. We're gonna put you under contract, but then, but then we're gonna let you know really what we think. You're gonna get rolled up by Liv Morgan, and because she's trying to right, she's still she still hasn't qualified. Right, she's begging Sonya Deville to get it. You know, she deserves it. So. You know, I think we're going to get this a couple of weeks for Liv until she, you know, if they do this and don't put her in there, then this is just a disgrace. She has to end up being in that match. But I just didn't think it was a time to, to bring her back and it kind of lose the pop and, you know, and 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 have her rolled up. I, I love they brought her back, but I didn't think it was time for her to lose this quick. But it sure did did seem like a punishment to me. And we got Otis continuing uh, his build, just looking a little tougher, looking uh, getting some big wins along the way. Um, so you know, at least they've been consistent with with building Otis and giving us some TV time with him for a while. It just it feels so weird thinking about where we were with him last year, winning the Money in the Bank. Right, right. Yeah. And it, it, this is like the build that he would have had before winning the Money in the Bank. Right, and he's got Not, this new look. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, with with Chad Gable. Uh, you know, it's it's funny how on top of the world, so to speak, you can be, um, you know, Angelo Dawkins, you know, is another guy who, who can really go. I, I'd like to see him. Uh, I, I'd like to see him in singles. You know, I really would uh, more often uh, than, than not. Uh, I hate to see him losing, um, but he's kind of, you know, they're kind of stuck in this. uh you know, this kind of in-between where there's nothing really for him yeah. in, in the tag division, and there's really a lot going on in the tag division, as you see, especially on SmackDown. But um, it was okay. It was okay match. It wasn't anything bad. It wasn't anything spectacular. You know, it was there. And uh, we closed out SmackDown with the uh, the Jimmy Uso angle where Edge was basically letting him know, look, hey, Roman's not setting a trap for me. He's setting one for you. He doesn't care about you, and he's not going to come out here and save you. And you're just another one of Roman's bitches. And uh, (laughs) I I thought this was great. It Um, was. Edge Edge has the you know gets him in the crossface, and and then he you know he gets the chair, and he's using the chair, uh, or and then he uses the bar to pull back on the crossface, like he did to to Roman at Mania, and it, it was good. It was a really good ending. Yeah, Edge, uh, the promo uh, to start the show was really, really good. Uh, You know, talking about he was inevitable to win this title, to beat Roman Reigns to win this title, and to turn it kind of around there at the end of the show and and tell Jimmy Uso exactly what you just said was just great storytelling. It was believable, and that's how you cut a promo. I mean, Edge is, uh, is, is one of the best. 
doesn't seem like he's going to win the title, but when you do stuff like that, it's uh, it's just it's it's really good storytelling. And there's some guys in the WWE and girls in the WWE that do it really well. And Edge is really believable. It's a good night for him. Let's make the transition on over to Raw. As uh, okay, you know, positives, negatives about this Raw. This one felt. I did think the last few weeks. In general have been better Raws This was probably one of the weaker of them um, and, and I think We kind of look at WWE When they go around the holidays sometimes And we yes. th- it, it maybe goes Maybe they mail it in a little bit on some yeah. of the holiday shows Because they understand they're not going to be getting Huge ratings on them anyways And sort of like you had said at the very beginning I, th- I think knowing that We are Is it next Friday when the fans are back uh, I know in two it's, weeks It's money in the bank uh, yeah, I know in two and then weeks. After. Yeah, I know two weeks from this past Monday, Raw will have the live audience because okay, they, so have, I, they announced Styles and uh, Omos defending the titles. That. So, so that will be a live crowd. So it's either next Friday or next Sunday. I'm That's, wanting to say it's next Friday, right? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is Friday. Consider. Yeah. Yep. So I think so. I think it'll be. We. I think we'll have. You're, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. There will be a Friday SmackDown. There will be a Monday Raw, and then we're back to fans. I believe so. Yep. Yeah, and and so it does sort of feel like they they're going okay. <laughs> we got Money in the Bank set up. We will have a couple big things for you that night, but and but um, until then, we're just going to kind of you know give you another play like through the motions, like very very by the book show. One thing I like about this though is it is cool to get to see. Ricochet standing yes. out there in the ring with these guys. Yeah, uh, I, I'm. I'm not the biggest fan when it comes to bringing all the talent out in the ring that is uh, competing in that particular match. You know, it's kind of like if you have a world titles match or number one's contenders match, and somebody's out there saying I deserve it, then someone else comes and someone else comes. But it, but it does help when you see guys like Ricochet, you know, uh, who has – we've been begging for him to be on TV every week, and now we have him on TV very week, you know, uh, every week. You know, him and Morrison, another good match. Uh, it, it's hard to follow up their previous match. Uh, I, you know, I don't know about the countout ending. But, you know, they're kind of protecting some people and, and until we get to money in the bank. I hope, you know, fans and the WWE Universe realize that, you know, we don't have to have a winner and loser every week, you know, especially the, the roll-up kind. So, I, you know, the count out, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. But it, it sure feels nice and refreshing to see him on TV every week. Yeah, just being in the ring it's- at the beginning with this group of people, like seeing him standing next to Drew McIntyre. You know, and in the ring with Miz and some of the other guys that are like treated like they're important is oh, okay. Well, hopefully, we've said this with him a few times, but every time we've seen it with him, he's been on TV for a couple weeks and then nothing. He's at least consistently been on TV right now for about two months. Yes, you like yes. the mo- you know doing the stuff with Sheamus first, and then he changed his look up a little bit. He's gotten a little bit better with promos. You could tell he's really trying to do yes. whatever WWE wants him to do, right? Whatever guy they want him to be, he's trying to be that, which you have to appreciate as a fan or someone watching. Like Whatever they want him to be, he's going to do his best to try to, to mold that, because Ricochet is one of those guys who I think 
you know, he could go to AEW, he can go other places, but with him, I get the feeling that he really wants to be a big star in the WWE. Like he wants to make it in the WWE, even if he has to sort of change who he is a little bit. Like he, I, I've always got that feeling from him. You know, you bring up a good point. Look at AEW, uh, New Japan, uh, you know, Ring of Honor back, you know, years ago. There's a lot of talented professional wrestlers out there. There's guys that can cut these moonsaults. They can do five-star matches. They're bangers is is what the the fans call them now. This this is a banger match. But if he goes to AEW, there's a lot of guys that, that that are high flyers, that can pull off these moves. I'm not saying anything's not going to separate, you know, Ricochet and the rest of the bunch. It's kind of like Andrade. He, he's great in the ring. I think he's going to get lost a little bit on I, AEW. I worry about that. I do, you too. Know, but, and, I'm not, and I'm not jumping around. I have a point here, I promise. So I remember interviewing Triple H years ago, years ago when he was an in-ring talent. You know, he was he's one of the best on the mic. And I remember asking him about these promos. And he told me, hey, look, you can be this great wrestler. But now since everybody's watching, everything is TV, it's recorded on phones, there's social media. If you want to be the complete package and you want to be remembered, it's promos. Hey, look, when you think about Ric Flair, nobody really, really, really talks about that 60-minute match he had with Dusty Rhodes. It's woo! Woo! It's these promos, limousine Ryan. Yep. You know? It's that. And, and, uh, and then what makes Ric Flair so good is that, you know, when you start to have the conversation with about Ric Flair being an all time great is that you go, yeah, Ric Flair had that. And just like Hulk Hogan, who was brother, brother, you know, yeah. say your prayers, eat your vitamins. You remember that. But then you start to get in, into the conversations with Flair and what makes Flair, you know, so great is you go, man, Flair could could go in the ring and Flair could have the look, too. And that's what Ricochet's trying to do. You can yeah, see with, Yeah, with so many of these great training schools, there's a lot of great talent. There's a lot of great talent at that WWE Performance Center right now, Gino. There's a lot of great talent that's been on the indies for several years, and we're asking, why aren't they on TV? Why can't they do that? Well, they develop these personas because the WWE, as you see it, you got to be able to work in the ring, but at the same time, you've got to be able to cut live promos, okay? Mm-hmm. I, now, look, I think Raw was probably taped. It kind of felt like that. I'm not, it, it could have been live, but it kind of felt that. But there's not very many segments on WWE that are taped. No. Okay. Up on YouTube and stuff. You got to be able to work live in front of the microphone. And if you can shine in front of that, you're going to be mem- memorable. And I think Ricochet is trying to do that. And if he can pull that off, the sky's the limit for this dude. That that's a champion right there. Exactly. He, he, I, I see it. You see it coming here. And it's um, you know, I'm, I was talking to some people earlier today about it, it's basketball players, and it's uh-huh. in any sport, right? You want to, you know, you can go somewhere to a maybe I don't say a bad team, maybe, but to like a lesser team and be a guy who scores a lot and has a, gets a ton of production, or maybe you can go to a better team and you have to be more well rounded of a player. You know to fit in there but you're going to win And what do you want to do You know and that that depends because everybody wants differently Do you want to go and maybe be Someone somewhere who can kind of do Whatever you want shine or do you want to try to be The biggest star in the biggest company I just get the feeling that Ricochet wants that I get the feeling he you know There's something about him that I've always thought Like yeah this guy could main event Wrestlemania He he, he's got All the tools there it's just About 
putting them all together at the same time Meeting having a purposeful promo Meeting like feuds that matter against big time opponents and, and finding your look and finding your voice all at the same time. And you know what? Some players will play for one team and then they go to a different team and they're like a completely different player because of the opportunity and whatever it was. That's sort of how I feel with, with some of these these guys. And uh this is this is going to be a big few weeks for Ricochet with the money in the bank and the fans out there, if you're listening and you're going to some of these shows, go crazy for him. It'll Yo, help him go crazy yeah, I, for that guy. You know, you could, that's this is a guy you could see winning that briefcase too. Again, it, it's you know, you, you keep it for a year. Um, I, this guy keeps improving, and they they continue to let him be on TV every week and not do this two or three week thing where he's gone or whatever. Um, he's going to have a chance to make a really big mark and a really big case for himself to be a major player. And uh, I think we're only seeing the beginning of this. We know he can wrestle, right? So if you can put the persona. The microphone, the promo time. I, I think this guy's a champion, a major champion in the WWE. Riddle Sid. I agree with you. I don't generally love these segments where everybody comes out. <laughs> they would do them sometimes where people are all just sitting on the ladders yeah. and stuff, yeah. you know, but <laughs> but Riddle sitting up there and then getting pushed off. There's just he just is making me laugh right now, like with with a lot of what he's doing. So um another episode that was Kind of showing you that they're putting a lot of trust and a lot of faith in this guy And you know I think we're seeing that as long as he doesn't do anything and get himself in trouble backstage As long as if if he's not hurt he's going to be a major player now for the foreseeable future Yeah look him beating AJ Styles uh, again I think they've worked uh, a couple of times before And I think Riddle has won you know Riddle's the guy man He's, uh, He's got the look was a star in NXT uh, he kind of bounced around with goofiness. We talked about week after week, like, what is he doing with this title? He's just the United States title. He's just goofy. Then, man, you sticking with Randy Orton and uh, things, a light switch when went on. And even without Orton, I, I, I don't know what the deal is with Orton not being around, but even without him, look how good Matt Riddle is. Matt Riddle doesn't need Randy Orton. So it's, uh, again, another one. He's got the package, man. He's got the look. That's another one. That's another major player in the WWE is Matt Riddle. One thing I thought was a little bit weird um, about the women six man, the six woman tag that we got, or eight women tag. It was Alexa, Nikki, Oscar, Naomi versus Eva, Dewdrop, Nia, and Shayna. So they're building the two people in this match right now that are getting the most TV time and seem to be getting built up the most. Are Nikki and Dewdrop, or like the Eva Marie Dewdrop package, right yeah. there. Right. But we get Naya getting the win over N- Nikki, which is weird. Like, why is Nikki taking the fall? And and if you're gonna have her take the fall, why not have Dewdrop be the one to beat her to continue to build it up? That was the only thing I thought was just a, a little bit strange in this. But um, we can tell they're behind Dewdrop. And I guess we're gonna see what ends up happening with, uh, you know, with with Nikki as uh, this superhero character. I hate it. I just hate it. You know, it, it's WWE that you know it, it's like putting a tag team together with two opponents, or you put you know you put some champions in a tag, a singles champion with someone against two other people, and the champion loses. I think the mindset mindset on some of these. Well, it's a tag match. It's not a single, so it's okay. 
man, it, it's a loss. It, it, it is a loss. Yeah. And you've got some pop. You've got social media behind her. People were kind of like questioning why she was doing it. You know, she gave some interviews and the story behind this and the history behind why she wanted to do it. And now we kind of get behind her and, oh, Naya Penzer and, and, and Alexa Bliss. What? Number one, I thought she was a heel for a little bit. And now she's that. It, it's kind of like with The Fiend. It, it has just become just something we don't even really care about. It's kind of this what Reginald was in the back. He thought he saw her a couple of times before this match, you know, in the back. I, I just. I don't know. I don't mind weird and silly things because, look, wrestling is weird and silly. We've been following wrestling for a long, long time. And, and shoot, my favorite time was during the 80s and 90s when we had the Repo Man. And we had Undertaker. And it's just <laughs> so it's I, not the I, same. I, it's I, just I like it because I'm an old school fan. But this is it's you basically all, damn near have ruined Alexa Bliss. I know. You know, and, and that's what's sad. That's what's really she was one of the most talented performers you have there because she she can go in the ring fine and she's excellent on the mic. She's yeah. a great yeah. heel. She's great at hosting segments. She's good looking. She's someone you could see going around and being a really good ambassador too. Yes. Um, because in real life, she's sweet as hell. Right. Yes. She like yeah. loves Disney. She had that pig or whatever, <laughs> you know, like she's like the most lovable person in the world in real life, but she plays a great heel. She's like a perfect character performer that can actually go in the ring and she's small so she can get great sympathy if you wanted her to be a baby face too. But ah, yeah, they, they got to really like repackage her or figure something, something out because it just, it's been unfortunate. A lot of like, I'm, I'm happy to see that. There are multiple women's storylines on Raw. Yes. I just don't really like I, any of them. No, <laughs> That's the no, problem. It, it, it's a good point. You know, the Eva Marie thing, uh, once we get some fans, I think she's going to get so much heat. You know, she, you know, <laughs> she's going to get so much heat that it's going to just, that will evolve. But It's going to be great. You know, yeah. it's just hard to figure out some of this stuff. And uh, I was very disappointed that Nikki t- took the pin there. Uh, we got uh, Mustafa Mansoor. Uh, Mustafa gets the win there. Um, again, sort of weird, but I guess they're kind of like building uh, the connection between these two. We'll see uh, if this continues on. Um, <laughs> then we got the Drew Gender, which was just bizarre. <laughs> like, this felt like something they could have built a little bit more to. All, all of a sudden, Gender loves this motorcycle, and we hear about. <laughs> Like a text that didn't get re- like responded to, and this is why gender's mad. Nothing to do with like all of their hits. I, this was bizarre. It was. It just seems like somebody. I don't. It can't be a rib, right? I mean, it can't. It, was, be. it almost. It, and poor Drew. Like, I I, I heard or read this somewhere. Is like that they were saying is Drew being like. Like made a joke of to someone in the back With some of these promos he's been cutting recently Too you know like the real like brave Heart you know like it wasn't Quite this much for a while that was one of the Things about Drew that made him Really get over as a baby face is that he Kind of just came out and talked and he didn't Seem like he was cutting the WWE Forced baby face promos and And now he's kind of I don't Know if these are from him or If you know (laughs) if he's Getting you know told to do these and and you know but it, or this is his decision but it's i don't know he's come he's come off a little goofy with these recently yeah and, and then you know i i don't mind the finish you know we get dqs I, i'm okay yeah. with you know 
Then we're, you know, gender still stills is what his family heirloom, the sword. sword. Yeah. And it's like, I'm okay if you want to take something, but it's just like, I like gender. I'm a gender Mahal guy. I was all for him winning the world title. No, there wasn't very many uh, that were <laughs> behind that. I was, I like the guy. You talk about another guy that's super, super nice. Uh, you know, he, he lives in the woodlands, which is uh, right outside of Houston. I've seen him in some indies. Uh, just a super nice dude, but it just this has just been bizarre. It seems like the more bizarre things have happened on Raw than SmackDown, and I cannot figure out why. Maybe one day we'll find out, but I can't fin- figure out why, and it seems like it happens week after week, and it's not just with the same people. You know, it, it's like you said, it's it's over the last several weeks, Drew has been in, in, involved in some bizarre situations and said some goofy things, and it's just like, you know, okay. You know, hey, I enjoyed the kilt and the sword. It was kind of like yeah, me too. demon uh, uh, from from Finn Balor. You know, you get to see that every now and then. But, you know, this this was weird. It, it, was, it was just a weird segment. We, uh, a Lucha House Party gets a win. There's hey. over T-Bar and Mace. That was sort of weird, too. Um, yeah, rarely. Mace. Yeah. I, you know, they come up, uh, I don't know. It's just frustrating. You come up from NXT and you get put in a storyline that has a chance. Retribution, right? Has a chance. And it just seemed like they just dropped the ball with it so bad, right? Gosh. And it was DOA, just not good. And now they took the mask off of them, got away from Mustafa Ali. And we thought, okay, here we go. We got a chance for them to be, you know, somewhat involved in the tag division and i don't have a problem with you know with them losing to lucha party but just hey out of the blue they're back you know and they lose whatever <laughs> we saw charlotte with the crutch um the this was it, the worst you know? this is bad yeah this is bad stuff for two two of the most talented female wrestlers on the planet and you would just expect so much more from this we would be so much better if they didn't do or say anything and they no. just said, oh, hey, we're going to have a match between Charlotte and Rhea. That would have yeah. been way better. We, yeah. we wouldn't hate it. At least it's a match. You know, when you have one coming out on crutch, and then the other comes out on a crutch. Then they're both faking it. And then they both pick up the crutch. You knew the first thing they were going to do was swing and miss and then hit each other, hit the crutches together. I, I just, again, this is... This, you know, of course, definitely hurts Rhea more than hurts Charlotte because Charlotte is so established with the WWE main TV universe. I just, again, I don't know what's going to happen at Money in the Bank with these two. It would not surprise me if Charlotte takes that belt from her. It just wasn't. Do I feel like it is? No, but I just felt like, man, that... uh, I, I don't know, man. It, I'm at a loss of words. First time, this is just, here's my notes. Embarrassing, dot, dot, dot. I, I don't know what else to say here. It's just been bad. This has been bad booking. Real bummer. Um, you mentioned that uh, we're going to get the Viking Raiders versus uh, AJ and Omos for uh-huh. the Monday Night Raw, the uh, the first Raw with fans. So two right. uh, uh, week and like a half or so from when we're uh, recording this. And we we got they're getting behind Jackson Riker. It looks like man like he picks that, up another win. I don't know how far they're going to go with him, but in a match where you've got Elias, Cedric, and R Truth and Riker, 
he would be the last one I figured that would be, you know, someone that they were building or getting behind with Elias. Cedric seemed to have a lot of talent and upside. Our truth has been a veteran that they like, and he's got a lot of comedy chops. But, you know, I just I've never seen more with him, even back when he was Gunner in TNA. Um, right. I never seen more with him than just like a guy. Right. Like he's fine. I just like he he feels like someone who could who's best used as part of a tag team or part of a faction as sort of like a tough guy muscle. But I I don't ever think of him as a a singles major champ type guy. No, no. I, you know he has a unique look. But again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a lot of people with unique look. I don't know if they see some Batista in him. I know somebody mentioned that. I I I don't. If you're going to push somebody, I, I don't think it, you know, would have been him and just poor Cedric and poor Elias. You know, our truth, what wasn't around, he was running around backstage for a while, you know, with the 24 seven championship. Uh, again, just notes here. I just, I don't get, I didn't get this match. I don't know what we're trying to do here. It was silly. It was just, it wasted time and it's just, eh, just wasn't into it. The main event, though, I, I do like um, yes, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I do do love stuff with getting MVP in the ring was good. Yes, and yes. MVP um, taking the fall is good, and it can you know it builds up you know Kofi and uh, and the New Day for this feud a little bit more. I don't think Kofi is going to win, but no. this is like one of the best versions of a feud that you can have with. Where we don't realistically think Kofi's going to win this match I'm, I'm interested, I'm intrigued The promos and the buildup have been good And, you know, Kofi versus Lashley With their contrasting styles Should be a really fun match And then you add the dynamic of, you know uh, Xavier on the outside And what they've been doing to him Trying to, to injure Xavier And you got MVP on the outside there They add some variables So, you know what, I'm as interested In this sort of a match as I could be even though I don't think there's any chance in hell Kofi wins. No problem with the main event. No problem with the match. I like MVP. Another one I know a lot of people don't like. I, I like MVP. I thought it was kind of weird over the last several, whatever it was, he's been hurt. And I know he has a bad knee and all that, but we're pretty close to SummerSlam. Um, and you've got to think, uh, who is Bobby, Bobby Lashley defending the title against at SummerSlam? He has to, right? Um do you see Kofi and him? Uh, you, do you see them again at SummerSlam? Kofi winning no. the title and taking it to WrestleMania? I'm just trying to figure something out. I know this I, is an in-between. I'm just trying to figure out a way. Is there a route? Is there a way for Kofi, Kofi wins this if, at all? I'm kind of curious that what will happen with the fans. Yes. And I think that may be, like, if Kofi and Bobby have this awesome Match at Money in the Bank And the fans are really into it I'm sure they will be because they're there But if it's just really well received I could see the plans changing for Kofi Sort of like they did for Kofi with Kofi Mania You know, sort of sort of like they did for Daniel Bryan Sort of like they we think they did for Lashley I don't, you know, we we didn't really all think Lashley was going to win the title Right away at Mania we sort or you know or before like leading in and he ends up winning it before we kind of felt like that was going to be Drew's moment with the fans that he was going to get the big celebration that was going to be his way of like thank you for everything you've done for us but the stuff with Lashley was going really well and they decided to I think they decided to call an audible I don't know if that was a long term plan 
to have Lashley win And so I, I wonder Because some of the things I've recently heard now too uh, Coop as uh, we finish up here With uh, with Raw and uh, we'll head over to NXT Is I've now heard that We don't know About Brock for SummerSlam right. John Cena possibly Having some movie conflict I've heard recently and who knows with that And um, You know those two Out of the picture If Brock's not there For what we were assuming Lashley Cena we were kind of assuming was going to be something With Roman now it looks like Edge Might be the guy they go to with Roman Who would be the guy for Lashley At some I don't know I don't know and I know WWE Likes moments right They love these big moments And times it makes for Great video great history They can you know it, 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 it Puts an exclamation point on the story You know You're not going to see Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston, I wouldn't think, main event SummerSlam. Um, If you do, then you probably, you know, there's a very good possibility that Kofi would go over. But, you know, you still think that Roman Roman Reigns still is your main event guy. You know, he's a SummerSlam main event guy. And by then, you know, does Daniel Bryan come back? Is it Seth Rollins? Is it Edge? It's probably going to be Edge, but. You know, we've kind of seen Edge in Roman Reigns. You know, it was at WrestleMania, even though Daniel Bryan was in it. Do we get that again? Um, I, I just tried to find a way, a path. Uh, it's kind of like see if I can get a, a, a team into this. Uh, back in the back in the day, the old BCS National Championship. I'm trying to get away, <laughs> right? Try to get them into uh, to one one of the top four spots, and I'm just trying to figure out. I was looking on this roster. Hey, we're we're, we're we're about a month away from SummerSlam, you know, about five or six weeks. And Bobby yeah. Lashley has no one right now. So I thought you know, maybe they stick with Kofi. I don't know. But I do think Raw will be better next week. The matches they've announced do look better. Um, and I do think in two weeks, I hopefully the Viking Raiders win these tag team titles so we can get AJ gone uh, from, from this uh, tag mess with Omos. But Raw will be better next week. And then in two weeks, it'll be much, much better. Um as we uh, march towards SummerSlam And we march towards NXT And the Great American Bash I thought both Tuesday and Wednesday night Were very good nights of wrestling TV A lot of positive things to take out from them uh, Great American Bash Really did feel sort of like a, a, a Pretty close to a takeover here yeah. We, I mean Couple different matches, different styles Of matches as we got um, Chompa and Thatcher Versus NSK to kick things off and this thing was awesome. Yeah, it's probably the match of the night for me. I hate it. I hated the finish. You know me. I, I am the roll up. up Cooper over here. Um, but it's probably the match of the night for me. Probably one of the, the best matches. It, it seems like we say that a lot uh, when we talk about NXT. But uh, this was a great way to kick off the Great American Bash. You know, we kind of wondered the contrasting styles, how this matchup would be. But. I mean, it, it was as good as you got And uh, I, yeah, I thought the right team won But definitely the match of the night for me The Million dollar title Was on the line And we got a little video package Setting it up um, I mean, At first we actually um, Had a, a couple backstage things And then something in the ring um, We had the battery charger Up to 91% we saw Cole and O'Reilly getting ready for their uh, main event match And then we saw uh, William Regal He's in the ring with Samoa Joe And he brings out uh, 
Cross, Gargano out in the ring. They discuss how Gargano is going to get the uh, the match, and he, you know, Cross was pretty. He said, you know, he, he he's going to one day main event WrestleMania, become WWE champion. He says Gargano will do all these cool technical moves, but this is real <laughs> life, and Gargano is always going to get beat up by people like Cross. Um, Johnny's kind of jumping around in the back. He got really excited <laughs> when uh, they said that Joe's going to be the ref because he feels like he'll at least or he'll at least get like a fair shake here. So, you know, I I don't mind this. Johnny made me laugh. I thought Cross was okay. It just uh, and the, and Joe. It sort of just feels like they're building more to an inevitable Cross oh, yeah. Joe than yeah. and and Johnny just kind of being like a pawn in all of this. Yeah, and I hate that, but I mean. Uh... Me too. He's he's doing the best that he can, like yeah. entertaining wise along the way. But he he feels like we talk about Kofi not feeling like he he's gonna win this night. Like Gargano just feels like a complete afterthought, sort of someone that this wasn't even his character recently. They kind of no. had to just change his character to put someone in this spot. I think they at least trust that that Johnny will do a really good job getting a fifteen minute match out across. Um, but yeah, you know. I'm not sure if this would be better with the Pete Dunn or someone like else in a, like this in a feud with Cross. Yeah, it's just been interesting to see him kind of over the couple of weeks slowly turn into a face, quote unquote. They both had some zingers, you know, but it it it's I mean, it was pretty obvious that we're, we're, eventually we're going to get Joe Cross, we'll get a Joe Cole. We we've seen that hopefully. Um this is uh, and look, maybe Johnny G, uh, you know, helps Cross in ring. You know, Cross that's been one of his kind of negatives, so to speak. Is a lot of so to speak. A lot of people didn't think he was one of the best in the ring uh, to get a WWE contract and be in NXT. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting match. I look forward to it. Hopefully, it's good. I you know. I have it. I love Karrion Cross. I love Scarlett. Um, I, I love that they have the best entrance in professional wrestling. I've said that, but I've kind of been underwhelmed a little bit with Karrion Cross as the NXT champion, as mm-hmm. I've been uh, with, with Omega as the AEW world champion. But uh, maybe Johnny G, uh, you know, uh, elevates him a little bit more. I agree. There's a little more on this since he's made his return. Um, it hasn't felt quite as much of the mystique for me as uh, as he did like right off the bat. Yeah. Um, we get to the million dollar title match, Grimes, L.A. Knight. These two have good chemistry. They do. They they work well in the ring together. Um, the spot at the end was where uh, L.A. Knight was going to try to use the the million dollar belt, but um, he, he didn't. He wasn't able to do so. It dropped out of the ring, and then when they go outside, he does end up you know using it. Uh, to slam uh, Grimes on top of And then brings him back in for the win So I'd imagine this feud continues on These two guys are having a fun time Battling over the million dollar title here And I thought this was uh, I thought this was really solid It is and LA Knight is so You, you know we talked about it earlier With, with Ricochet uh, Somebody that can cut a promo Is LA Knight um, That's why I like watching the bump uh, WWE The Bump. I like watching WWE when they just, it's a uh, YouTube exclusive when they do these interviews. LA Knight had a great one 
uh, post-match uh, with Mackenzie Mitchell um, about <laughs> Cameron Grimes being his uh, his butler. And this is going to be uh, this is going to be fun to watch over the next couple of weeks. These little segments, what they do. We got the women's tag team championship match and. We have new women's tag team champions, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. We also saw the return of Tegan Knox. She was the 100%. She is now 100% and healthy. She appeared on the stage. Candice LeRae looked like she saw a ghost. And so um, this will be a direction for uh, Candice to go in. And we have a new women's tag team champs, Io and Zoe. Yeah, I think we felt that, uh, that this was going to happen. It's interesting uh, um, that the battery charger was Tegan Knox. Uh, she comes out and she's got a built, you know, a 100% built in feud now with uh, Candace LeRae, which is going to be good. They have uh, a lot of history together. Uh, as much as I liked her in Indy, I thought it was a good uh, change to, to switch the titles. They love Zoe Stark. Oh my gosh. She's uh, she's definitely going to be on the main roster uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and hey, I was I, I, Dexter Loomis. Is Our back. boy Dexter. I was just going to say he's back. There we go. We were, we were they were listening Kong to us. Back. King Kong came back and saved his gal. And, he did. Uh, you know, Indy can, you know, still be Candace's friend. But now she can kind of get involved a little bit with Dexter Loomis. Yep. This is perfect. And that's all I wanted. That's all this I needed. This is great. This is great. <laughs> is. I'm really excited for more of this. And I just started my rewatch of Dexter, the show uh, yeah. from Showtime, because the sure. Dexter's coming back later uh, this year. In just a couple months, uh, there's going to be a reboot. So I, I'm going on my rewatch, watching Dexter Loomis right now, just taking Indy Hartwell away from the <laughs> ring. And uh, we got. Hey, this was cool. Uh, a good, a good few moments as we saw Dexter, and then uh, one of our personal favorites, uh, Tony Storm, cut a little yeah. promo. So she said, you know, she mentioned Saray. She mentioned, uh, you know, coming after the uh, NXT Women's Championship. So hey, just seeing her in the mix, wherever you slot her, she's going to do very well. So, um, you know, a couple of different, uh, you know, possible feuds for her. Yeah, it, it is. Again, it's like Ricochet. She needs to be on TV every week. Uh, every, I don't every know what time. happened there. <laughs> you know, I don't know if she got punished. What? Blah blah blah. Uh, she's amazing. Um, she's great to look at. Um, she's very talented. Uh, love the accent. Great on the mic. Again, just a a, a star in NXT. Um, and I, you know, I, it's just again, she needs to be on TV every week. Needs to be in a match, and the problem is, is that, you know, NXT has so many talented women. Uh, it, you know, Frankie Monet, you know, she wasn't a part of the Great American Bash, and it's, you know, hopefully, hopefully, now that we're past this quote unquote pay per view type event that we had for NXT, we'll see more Frankie Monet. But Tony Storm on my TV, A plus. We saw, um, oh, then a segment that I think most people were talking about. Coming out of this show, the hit row. Wow. I mean, this was this was normally the type of concert music segment that people turn off and that don't right. really enjoy, and that the buzz coming out of it is, oh, why did we have to waste five minutes with that? This was excellent. This was yeah. basically all of them taking turns, sort of freestyling. Um, it was sort it was their celebration, and nothing about this felt Forced. It didn't feel like people acting It felt like this is who they are um, Which is the best version Of wrestling, yourself Amped up just a little bit I, I really enjoyed this I'm glad they 
made their way from the the entrance ramp into the ring. I thought that had a little bit more personal feel to it as well. Um, yeah, usually when we get WWE uh, music, um, a rap segment, a music segment, it uh, usually doesn't go over very well. We've seen some bombs, even with some you know some some big megastars uh, that go out there and, and play a song or whatever it is, but. You know, they're pushing Swerve, and they're pushing uh, Hit Row, um, the Cypher celebration. You know, it's uh, it got a lot of buzz. There were a lot of people on Twitter. Again, I love to watch shows and stay on Twitter and see what people are talking about, and people were talking about it. So, uh, again, another good job for NXT. We got the announcement for the uh, NXT Breakout Tournament competitors. We have uh, Trey Baxter, Carmelo Hayes, Andre Chase, Josh Briggs, um, Ikman Hero, Joe Gacy, Odyssey Jones, and Duke Hudson. Uh, a cool little uh, – looks like a, a – you know, you get some bigs, you get some smalls. Seems like a, a real diverse group here. So I'm curious because, you know, you think about this a couple years ago. I think Grimes was in that um, yep. in that tournament and Swerve also, I think – was in that tournament, and they're both doing some real great work right now. Yeah, and we've seen a couple of these guys already. I think we've seen Carmelo Hayes have a yep. you know a couple of good Bax- matches. Baxter too, Baxter I think, has been on there. So we know a couple of these guys. And look, let me tell you one thing: that NXT Triple H and HBK William Regal. This is one things these you know these three and the other producers of NXT are not going to do. They're not going to put somebody in the ring who they don't think isn't ready. So these guys are probably going to go out and have uh, set the world on fire. We may not know who they are. Got to give them a chance. Watch it and see what happens. And, uh, I, I, hey, <laughs> I'm a sports guy. You're a sports guy. We love tournaments. So this is yep. right up yep. my alley. And then Cole O'Reilly main event. Uh, I Cole gets the win here. You know what? I actually the, – the their takeover match was longer and more yep. of like an, an epic – but it sort of got a little drug in the middle a little bit for me. Yes. I think I, I think yeah. I like this one better. Um, and I, I think just overall, it was a little bit tighter, and it was just a different like, worked a little different than their other. It sort of reminded me of kind of like the Edge Randy Orton matches that they would have. You know, like the one that they drug on the Last Man Standing or that went too long. I, that was like my least favorite of theirs. I liked the 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 matches that were just a little bit tighter and didn't feel like they were trying to have the greatest match in the world and they they just naturally had a really good match. Good storytelling. Uh we know both of them can go in the ring. Uh you know it, and it builds up to a frantic finish. Uh these quote unquote Canadian destroyers that were these moves that these guys were, were doing um, were just phenomenal there at the end. Um, some of these kickouts that we didn't think that were kicking out, this is the type of match I'm okay with with those type of kickouts. Um, Cole gets the win. I was excited about that. Uh, I didn't think that O'Reilly would, would win this one. It just seems like Cole, since coming back, has been again picked up where he left off. This guy is money. He's on fire right now. Yeah. Where does he go from here? Uh, we, we can't continue this feud. I wouldn't think, even though the WWE loves these rubber matches and these these fourth and fifth times, even though NXT has kind of been able to to stay away from that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cole maybe gets involved in this this. This cross storyline with Joe a little bit because with Joe choking him out, I don't think that was just a one-off deal. I think no. they were playing the seed for us for something happening 
sooner rather than later. Um, but again, just NXT, I say it week in and week out, you know, I, NXT is my favorite show of the week. And, you know, people say, oh, you're a WWE homer. Look, man, I have been blasting full blast on Raw. I thought me too. You know, it, it, it was one of their weaker shows. It was a holiday show. The ratings were low. But look, even though the ratings were low, you, you still got to look at it this way, Gino. It was still the number one watch show of the night. Yeah. Right? Nobody so else was just watching TV. No. It, it, and I think less people watch TV now. There's just all kind of stuff going on. But NXT, it, it, again, another one of my favorite shows I look forward to seeing on uh, on Tuesday nights. Um I think it set the tone, and I think AEW had to raise the bar a little bit on Wednesday night. There was a lot of things I didn't like about AEW, but there were some quality matches that I liked. Let's get to AEW first time back with fans, and um, for the most, there's a lot to take out of this show. Like always, they pack their shows, um, many positives, some things we don't like. We'll get into um, those as we kicked off the show with the the strap match, Cody Rhodes and uh, QT Marshall, and it it was fine. I'm not, I'm just not a fan of a strap match in general. Like it, no. the strap match and like the last man standing matches. Um, I prefer a no DQ. Just because th- those tend to just have to be slower, because the the because of the ten count and be or because of like having to go touch the corner of each post, it it's like a slower. Um, there's there's too many opportunities for the match for it to be like oh 15 seconds of nothing. It was like walking around just touching all four of them. Uh, but the the crowd loved it. It was a good way to get the crowd hot for um you know with Cody coming out to start. They just. You know all of this stuff with Cody We have said it felt like he was sort of in his own Thing and now at least Which what we will see uh, later In the show and I guess we could talk about it right now too Is sure. when um, Cody and Arn came back out Later in the show to cut a promo They were interrupted the lights Go out and when the lights Come back up it's Alistair Black and he <laughs> Is known the 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 First few things that Excalibur said I thought he could have handled it a little bit better. They said, this is Tommy end, but that's, but that's not Tommy end. I (laughs) I think it's Malachi black. They just did it. It came off a little bit weird, but he looked good. He was still selling the black eye from everything that happened in, uh, in WWE. And apparently W I don't know if from, I've read or heard that did they screw up his 90 day, Compete in, instead and, and didn't realize That it was a 30 then others Said that maybe Vince liked him and let him off Like they did with Andrade but um, It's it's interesting that both of Those guys are already Featured pretty prominently on AEW TV on this episode Yeah uh, <laughs> You know in the Cody QT Marshall match uh, The lights go out For about five seconds and I thought AEW Get your act together, okay? right? Yeah, we, we had on. all these production issues. Come I didn't on. think I, I didn't think it was sold very well, though, by the announcers. I think it kind of ca- caught them off guard. Maybe it was supposed to come later in the match or a different moment. I don't know, but now we kind of see why it kind of happened. I just thought it was kind of yeah, goofy that it happened. Um, but hey, uh, no more Cody QT Marshall. Hopefully, that has just been eh. Uh, this is the way, you know, the crowd went nuts. I'll say that, you know, chanting Tommy, Tommy, uh, who's the heel, who's the face here, right? I mean, Cody's been the face and this guy comes out and attacks Cody. 
it's like a Moxley type deal. This is these fans are gonna these fans are gonna you know get behind Black and yeah. I don't think they're gonna let him be a uh, let him be a heel. It's, you're right. I'm curious of what what ends up happening here and 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 we will see if it ends up having to be Cody who has to maybe turn at some point. Yeah. Um, we. Sean Spears was backstage talking about Sammy Guevara and then Sammy kind of comes out of nowhere and like bitch which <laughs> it was it was kind of funny um I like Sammy I think I feel sort of like I do with Jungle Boy in that I'm glad that they are giving Sammy and Jungle Boy some of these like hey we we feel like they could be top babyface moments they're not quite there yet but it, but sometimes it's good to put Guys in spots like that and and give them the Experience and opportunity in a year Or two Sammy could be A guy challenging for a a Title he'd still feel a little off right Now like he'd have a really good match with Kenny but You wouldn't think he could win you continue to build Him up um, and maybe that was One of the good things that'll come come out of this Is that maybe he can be one of your big Single stars and and you give Him some wins over Spears now Because he's still not quite in the MJF level um I like Sammy. I like a lot of what he's done. I still feel like there's he's still got to put it all together, though. He has to keep improving. I've seen him on the indie circuit. Uh, the kid can go. Um, but uh, you know, he he was stuck in the inner circle. I, I think that was probably a you know a spot that they wanted him to be with someone. The one thing, one of the things I didn't like about AE. What look. We bitched and complained, I did, about AEW, especially in the very beginning. I didn't think they were allowing their talent, and they were telling, I don't think they weren't doing a very good job of telling stories and promos. We didn't see a lot of promos. We'd see one little segment here and there, then we'd just have wrestling matches. It was basically New Japan. So I applaud that we're getting more promos. I just don't like it when I feel like it's taped. And it's kind of hokey. And we saw a lot of taped backstaged interview type segments. And I thought they really missed the boat with not putting Britt Baker in front of the crowd. The energy. Uh, the best promo was the heel promo from uh, the dude Lambert. You know, yeah, like from, that was... from the American top team, mixed yeah. martial arts. And, yeah. you, know, you know, with Jorge's Masby doll. Uh, sitting there in the crowd, I thought they missed the boat by not putting Britt out there in the ring and cutting a promo um, when she's your hottest champion. Now, again, I was complaining that they, there was not enough promos. And then Wednesday night, we get tons of promos, but it just, I like live promos. I, especially, I especially on this night. Yes. The first and, and night it, back. Look, we, we had the Spears, Sammy Guevara. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then... You know, uh, Darby Allen, Ethan Page with Jim Ross. Uh, good promo, Brit good ba- stuff. But again, it's sit down backstage. You know, like Brit I, I Baker backstage. Let's uh, take advantage have- of the energy of these of these people and put Britt out there, or put because think about how awesome that segment was with with Hangman and Kenny because yes. of the fans, because that was in the crowd. The fans yes. started chanting cowboy shit before yes. he gets out there. <laughs> You know, and then he gets out there and it feels you can feel it. It made that whole segment. If that would have been in the backstage, that wouldn't have been that big of a deal. No, it wouldn't have been a big deal at all. And and as you look down what happened in the show, you have a Christian Matt Hardy video promo. I'm okay with that. Right. Um, And then you, you get an earlier today, AEW officials awarded Jungle Boy a trophy and a medal. Why not have him come out in the ring? 
Why didn't you do that in person? And then you spend times on a horribly edited earlier today promo video with in-ring with Starks and Brian Cage that was spliced and edited not correctly. I, I just thought Jungle Boy. I thought um, the Britt Baker segment. Those could have been in-ring, and those people would have popped. That was my biggest complaint last night, that all that stuff, your hot names and your big stars, uh, most of them were kept backstage in taped segments. And uh, like you said, man, when Hangman, do when, when Omega was out, there's Callus, and here comes Dark Order. We knew all hell was about to break loose. And the fans felt it, and what they were chanting, and here comes Hangman Page. Perfect. I, you know? It, I agree. It, I, I like that just for them. And I think, I think uh, honestly, and I, I think they were a little bit worried about timing is, is that they Must had, because, and because been. they try and, and it's a good, it's a, it's a thing that we, we love AEW for. And we sometimes critique them for at the same time is they want to do so much on every show. They want to give everybody a chance to get on TV. They want to give everybody a chance to get a few minutes in that sometimes by doing that, it takes away. You'd be better, less is a, a little bit more sometimes I think in this case, they wanted to get all these things in They figured, okay, if we pre-record a bunch of these things We'll have it all exactly timed to a minute and ten To sixty seconds here, to you know, uh, two minutes here And they don't have to worry about things going over in the ring when, Which, you know, it's harder to time things and to keep things on a schedule But I agree so much with you It's not even that I didn't like I liked most of the show and what was done. I thought it just could have been done a little bit better, like you, in, to take advantage of that crowd there. Um, yeah, that, that, that segment. Have, what, don't you think this would have been the time for to see Sting out and about? Right. And, I know. Uh, Where's Sting in the the snow today? The snow We've sting, seen him so for I, a million weeks in a <laughs> row where he would walk out and nothing happened, and now we could just he could so tell him I, to walk I, I out thought, and say why he was mad that he wasn't there for Darby or I don't know anything, right? Yeah, and that's what that was my biggest my biggest complaint. I, I thought they didn't do a very good job with these promos. I didn't have a problem with some of them. I just thought some of them could have been in ring or on stage. And then you know you get like Lance Archer coming out and attacking this coach. You know Dan Lambert, Jorge Masvidal is not going to wrestle. If he does, I, I you know he was in Miami from Miami. I don't know if a lot of AEW wrestling television fans even cared or gave a crap that Matthew Dahl was out there. Uh, I, I just, I don't know, man. That that really, really frustrated me. I thought Jungle Boy should have been there, you know, in ring, in person. And, and it was done. It was taped before the show. I just thought it, it could have got that live feel. So, uh, me, yeah, both we both love the the Omega. Um, Absolutely. Um, Pangman stuff. And so I guess the question is, is, do you think is do we get like slow build and then just one match at all out that he a hangman wins or do we get like a match where there's some some schmas and then he beats him like the second time at all out I'm, I'm kind of curious I don't know if hangman should lose I don't I don't I, I think I don't want that but yeah. man I kind of got that feeling that they're going to work a program before sooner than that right cuz that's a long yeah. way away for the, for them to have already been standing next to each other in the ring like that it we feels like that would be a long way for them to have to play it out and string it out um so yeah I mean you could tell the story still all the way to all out and then maybe I I prefer him not losing but if it's a match where 
you know, he looks like he's going to win and then the elite and the young bucks and everybody gets in gets interfered and it's a DQ or something like that where Hangman doesn't look bad, that I'm I'm okay with that. I don't want him losing a match clean by some distraction and then he comes back again. I don't want that at all. I want him built strongly all the way up. I if you're going to do two matches, Schmaz DQ and then he wins, I'd actually prefer just a straight build and him yes. winning whenever he faces Kenny for the first time. Yeah, I, I'm 100 percent uh, that. But man, if they're rushing this, uh, it, it maybe it's don't, a slow build where yeah. they they ease us every week, and then they're they're really gonna make us mad. I, I, I want one match. Hangman goes over. There's something special about that. You know, yep. there's just really something special about it. If Omega wins, or they have a screwy finish, or DQ, and then we get it again, or something else. You know, it just doesn't seem as important to me. I like the one-off, the you know, the big one-match deal. But man, they they certainly wasted no time getting Hangman face to face with Omega. Kenny even did the old what we used to do to what's the capital of Thailand, Bangkok. You know, when he gave him the nut shot, it's like, oh come on, <laughs> this this is what we used to do when we were like ten years old. But uh, <laughs> um. You mentioned the uh, Ethan Page Darby Allen promo. They're going to build on their history together because these guys uh, do know each other really well. And I love that because WWE has a casket match. It's got to be a coffin match. You know, can't be a, can't be a casket. Let's get that, yeah, let's get that. I, you know, look, I look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, I, I think Ethan Page has elevated his game since leaving Impact. We talked about it, and I, I think him solo does better than. Than being him in any kind of faction And I, I think agree. Darby is going to put on a hell of a show for us We got a six-man six tag um, FTR and Wardlow get the win over Santana, Ortiz, and Hager They, you know, it's I, I, I was fine with MJF and um, and Jericho And their interaction uh, right right after this following They had mm-hmm. their little, uh, little sit-down, like, promos And MJF makes him shake his hands And then uh, Jer- Jericho does And then cracks him with the Judas effect But it's it's good. I um I don't want too much more of inner circle pinnacle. Like after we get the Jericho MJF match or what you know he's gonna make him go through these guys. Like I I don't want this to string out for too much longer because then it'll start to get into WWE territory, which w- what we complain about feels like we've been getting the same feud forever, the same matches over and over. Um. I understand they're they're going to finish this, and there's still a little more meat on the bone, but I, not too not too much more with this. No, I, you know, back to the previous match with uh, you know the six man, the inner circle, and the pinnacle. I didn't like Tully attacking Conan after the match. I don't think it made sense. I don't think it made sense to bring Conan back. You know, for this for this match, if you're going to do it. Do it on a pay per view. And kind of build it up a little bit. I thought that was kind of silly. I don't know what it added. I didn't think the match was very good either. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. We, as much as we've praised um, Chris Jericho and MJF, it seems like we've we've been at this for a while now. And I know MJF has got these new little stipulations for him. Man, if they drag this on throughout the summer, and, and, and it looks like they may, it looks like Labor Day. Right, if he's gonna, you know? if he's gonna have four matches, you know, this we've got there's eight weeks between now and and the September show. Right. I mean, like that's a lot. It that's is. a lot. And remember, Rampage is gonna start in the middle, like in in yes. a month. So yeah. 
they're going to have other shows to build also um yeah we'll see I, I, hopefully they can continue to keep it entertaining if they're going to do that but um we shall see uh we got the Britt Baker backstage with Rebel. Yeah, I agree. Like everything Britt says is good. She cut the blood money line, which was really funny. She said she good. hopes Khan enjoys his blood money, and then she said maybe <laughs> Dynamite can run in Saudi Arabia next week. Um, <laughs> this is this was pretty damn good, and uh, yeah, funny. But it would have like, could you imagine if she said that line in the ring? Oh, they would have popped. He would go, yeah. oh, Britt, 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 A E Dub, A E Dub, A E Dub. She's right so away. damn good. Yeah, she's so damn good at, at, at on the mic that it's just like you're just you're you're just I don't know. Maybe they're holding off. When is Pittsburgh? There, there's no way you can keep her off TV next. Is Pittsburgh next week? Next week? I think so. I think well, it maybe is. that's maybe it's that's, what, maybe to that's wait. what it was. I don't, because... I don't think you have to wait for it. But oh man, it just it was a great promo. I just like to seen it live. You know, in so ring for, with fans. So um, for next week with what they're building. Uh, Cage, Starks, Page, Darby Allen, Coffin match, Matt Hardy versus Christian, Penelope Ford versus uh, Yuka Sakazaki, uh, Hangman Page cuts a promo, and Moxley, Carl Anderson, solid, solid, yeah. Yeah. um, nothing like nothing that's like knock your socks off, but but solid from top to bottom, like pretty solid. Um, the only issue is that like that's a bunch of stuff that really wasn't this week. You know, no, and, exactly. And that's <laughs> fine. Like that shows you how how deep their roster is, but you got to be careful of like I don't need everyone on my show every week all the time, but you got to be careful of not going like either or here. You want stuff to continue to steady build. So if all of that happens next week, how much progression are we going to get in other storylines that they're they may try to squeeze in? That that's my only concern. Um we did get Andrade versus Matt Seidel. He gets the win here. Um, I like his look. I like the mask thing that he's wearing. Kind of yes. looks pretty badass. Um, the presentation is good. I I think the crowd still wasn't maybe as much uh, responsive to him as they would like, but um, I think he, he's really solid. And he the the pre, the way he's being presented so far here in AEW, I don't know if I like Vicky with him. Um, no. No, and that and that might be like if you take Vicky away from him, he becomes much more serious. Yes, and I think that's his character. I think right. you know, with the mask coming out, uh, I think the fans kind of just are. I don't even know if it's a sit or wait approach. I, I just it kind of felt weird. Uh, there, it was I think they don't good, know who he, is he. Is he a good guy or a bad guy right now? You know, right? Like, like he, I, I don't know. They if, don't know if yeah. Right. I don't know if Matt Seidel would have been the perfect opponent. I, not taking away from Matt Seidel, I, I thought it was an okay match, but you know, it, it definitely shouldn't have been a squash match. But I mean, I heard Vicky more than I heard the fans last night, and that concerned me a little bit. So, don't put Andrade back on the back burner, and don't put him on Monday or Tuesday nights. Uh, if you want to put him on Friday nights, that's fine. But that's another one that needs to be on TV every week for a build. If you're going to sign these big guys. From WWE that everybody says Oh I can't believe WWE cutting You better use them And then even this you know just to kind of piggyback on some of the points That we were mentioning earlier Like you get the back and forth promos from Matt Hardy And uh, and uh, Christian But this would have been really fun in the ring In the ring With people yes. that people love these two guys Think these about what the WWE fans would have been guys. chanting Delete They would have been chanting 
goofy stuff with Christian. Yes. Like they could have played off the fans really well with a back and forth. You know, I, it must have been a timing thing. It really it must have. This this is the one thing that you get hyped up about, especially with an indie type show, is when you get a hot crowd and they just go bananas. And that's what look that look at the history of AEW, the short-lived history. These shows that they have done, their their crowd it kind of reminds me like the old hot WCW crowds and ECW crowds. They take over. It just seemed last night that they weren't given the opportunity to take over. The matches were good and okay, but you got to put some promos out there. You know, they went nuts for Dan Lambert. I don't think yeah, they gave a crap about Lance Archer coming out there and power bombing or whatever, but Christian and Matt playing them off with their history and people knowing who they are, that would have been a fun moment. But again, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. I, I, I think, I think there was a, a, a big time and issue here, and they wanted to keep those segments tight and short. The uh, yeah, we t- talked about the Jungle Boy uh, segment that was really quick. They just showed him take them taking some pictures of him getting a trophy. He was the first wrestler to fifty wins. Just could have been really cool in the in the ring. Come out, let him cut a little bit of a promo. Hey, thanks. You guys get behind me. I really feel like I'm um, you know I'm I'm becoming a, a singles main event star. That was a match where I feel you know I think I can beat Kenny or whoever you know just something you know uh, I would have been. A little bit nicer because the way this crowd reacted to Dan Lambert, man, he <laughs> says he gets in the ring. First, he takes the mic. He introduces Amanda Nunez and uh, Masvidal. Then he, you know, he talks about who he is and and his training team and and all the some of the wrestlers he's trained. And he says he was skeptical of coming and because AEW, it's because AEW sucks. He says he wanted to watch some real wrestling. Uh, he would go back to the seventies, eighties and watch them tear up the ring. You know, he mentioned some of the, the, the guys he's watched through his uh, history, Johnny Valentine, Terry Funk says wrestling has gone down since the nineties. AEW is unwatchable. Um, he says he knows he should have trusted his instincts and, because this show is unwatchable And as he starts to talk more trash Lance Archer comes out and punches him So this, this is was, what this. Yeah, I was fine with the segment I was fine with Me it too. If, it got, if it got that much pop Imagine what some of these other promos In ring would have gotten Because I, I'm sure a lot of those people Didn't know who Dan Lambert was But he knew how Hell he cut a great promo He's better than some of these guys and girls we've It was right? excellent It was so excellent. I, I just like if you're going to give that time I think you probably could have cut the opening match probably in half. I, you know, I know Cody wanted to be the guy that come out, you know, in front of the first live crowd, blah, blah, blah. I'm at difference. I thought it should have went another direction, but I thought you probably could have cut some of Jericho MJF promo a little bit and squeezed in enough time for these guys, because that shows you right there. They were waiting to explode in a promo and they did just that for Lambert. So, we uh, we spoke uh, about uh, already that uh, segment where Alistair Black, now known as Malachi Black, shows up and uh, he made his debut. Looks like he's going to be involved with Cody in some way, shape, or form. You touched on that Starks cage. That was just Back- bad. Yeah, Man, this was- Starks is really good. Again, I just don't know. Ricky Starks has got so much talent and he's so good. I don't know if. He was served best by putting him with with Cage and Taz there a couple you know a couple of months ago a uh, couple of months ago I just it was edited bad I think some of the TV announcers were talking over some of it I just I don't know it just 
he's hurt. I know he's hurt. They're trying to get him out there on TV again. I, I just thought, why even show that? I like Ricky Starks. I'd love to have him on TV, but I, I thought that was just a waste of time too. And you know, this is the the main event match was the Young Bucks versus Kingston and Penta. This thing was a was like a total miss for me, like a total like, swing and a miss. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of these slowish, like the 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 Young Bucks. You know, they're okay. First of all, the, everything about the way that they look and they're presenting <laughs> themselves is amazing. It is they so mustaches. They look like freaking just I don't like. So Ass. bad. They got the jean short, the jorts on, the like the shorts, short, man. the short jorts, and yeah. the the facial hair keeps getting worse. And the Jordans. They sent out a tweet earlier in the day that was like, "Hey, you know, at least we know the crowd's gonna be behind us." And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm more I'm more worried about what are we gonna wear to the ring. You yeah. know, it was just just great. Like everything about the gimmick and how they're playing it, I love. I think it's it's fantastic. This just isn't quite um this was Healy and they, they played good heels. I, I don't know, it just the match was, was fine. It was kind of slowish to me. It wasn't like a, a Young Bucks tag match would have a normal tag match would have just been way better than this because they didn't have to tag in and out. There wasn't as much pace or purpose. Um it, so yeah, I I I was expecting, I guess I just wanted a little bit more. Their match last week, these two guys, these two teams that opened the show last week. Oh my right. gosh, I would have preferred that match, that version, way more than this, 10 times out of 10. I don't know why you have to try to put makeup on something that, that's already pretty. Lipstick it, on a pig, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's um, I, not just AEW, WWE and other promotions, Impact, you get a good match, and then it's like, Okay, for us to work again, we've got to add some kind of wild stipulation. And it just didn't seem young bucks to me. If you want to build to this type of match, I'm okay with it. You know, I I didn't like it as a main event. I, you know, look, I I prefer, I I had no problems with the the mixed tag team match earlier in the night. When you had Orange Cassidy and Statlander and the Bunny and the Blade. I thought Orange Cassidy got over back with the crowd again. I, I thought that match was, even though, you know, the bunnies in, oh, oh, in the ring. But this, I just not a fan. I, I don't know if they they thought this was going to end uh, with a with just a bang. But it just, it kind of fell flat to me. And I'm a big Young Bucks fan. I, I like those guys. They're dicks. You know, they're they're. Like you said, they shaved the mustache, the jorts. Uh, they're acting just like, you know, D-bags. And then you just get this match, and it's like, uh, you got some, oh, my God, type spots. But in a way that, I don't know, man. It just, I, I thought they could have ended it uh, this this better. I understand why they, yeah. they put this as the main event. It just kind of got clunky to me. Me too. There were... On this show, there were like three or four things that felt really big and really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, that could have been like you imagine if you had, and like the way they 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 had Alistair Black, uh, Malachi Black show up. So if Cody and QT and was the main event, the and we yes. knew that 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 was yes. gonna, I we would have said, oh, why is Cody and QT the main event? But then after we would have understood. Yes. Oh, because there was a debut, and that might have been a really great way to go off. Yes. With like 
That's Bingo. the last thing you see. Oh my gosh, Malachi Black showed up, and that's the last thing. And it's not that that people were like buzzing about the main event bad match, but we saw just a better version of this match last week. I would have much preferred what they did to start, and and it just sort of felt like it wasn't a big, it wasn't a very big deal on a show that had a couple other big things. So, um, yeah, I think some of the gripes with this particular show different. You know, every you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, they'll have their own, um, their own strengths and weaknesses. And with AEW, a lot of the time, it's not, it's not as much what the content is. It's sort of just the production, the layout, some of the the specifics about it that they haven't had the reps that WWE has had through the years. Then for WWE, I think the opposite for them is, you know. They get a little lazy sometimes because they've been doing it so long that they realize like, hey, we can set out a very bare minimum show and we're still going to get a pretty good viewership. AEW is a little bit hungrier. They're a newer company, so they want to give you a little bit more. They want to kind of try to earn your trust a little more. WWE kind of feels like they have it. So to me, when I watch the the two shows, I, I realize that sometimes with AEW, it's just. Hey reps, how many producers or people there backstage have they had that have really been the head producer or the head decision maker somewhere before? They're just all kind of in a little bit more elevated roles. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. I think it just means you get some of the uh, the Deathwire Barb match, the the Jericho spot, or just the layout of a show like this where you could have looked at it and said, you know what, Young Bucks aren't going to lose. That doesn't really need to be the main event because it's not going to be like a a five star banger. It's more of a no DQ match, anyways. Let's put that surprise. Like somebody just kind of tweaking the layout of the show a little bit more would have. I, I think thought, and I thought, Gino, that Arn Anderson in ring with Giovanni. I said, "What are we doing? What are we doing now? We've already had this." Yeah, if we would have had Cody win, I didn't like the blood with QT Marshall too. There's fans everywhere, and if you uh, there's no mask, there's blood. You know, flying everywhere. If you, if you look, that was your, there were two massive moments on this show Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, right? And when Malachi Black shows up out of nowhere, you know, you end with either of those, right? And, and look, Hangman, we kind of knew what we're getting with. I don't, you know, that would have been okay for me. But if you want to, we're back and, Oh my God, you end with that instead of this match. And, you know, of the four shows that we talk about every week, right? I think NXT got around the same amount of rating. I think, you know, ratings are delayed this week because Monday was a holiday. I think NXT did 670. Yeah. And and they were against uh, the NBA Finals, game one of the NBA, which actually drew pretty well on TV. Pretty well. well. Like we're saying, you got to look at. Don't look at overall numbers and compare them to last year, no. two years ago, five years ago. Compare them to the, the people watching TV that night, right? Right. So my point is, of the four shows that we talk about each and every week, sometimes we have a little less to talk about one show or, or, or not as much time. Which of those shows do you think has less room for error right now as we move forward? AEW. Yeah. They're, they're the newest. And, and, and they have – they just don't have – for as much crap as we ha- give WWE and a lot of uh, uh, people do, and a lot of people have stopped watching or watch other wrestling, and that's fine. When WWE is like, um, like Kleenex, when you say wrestling, 
people think of WWE like Absolutely. a tissue. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And so they've earned they've earned that. Now they they'll have to do a lot of bad to to lose that, or AEW will have to go and grab that, right? Like compare it to a WCW or TNA. WCW was the number two, and then they went and grabbed grabbed it with the NWO stuff and Bischoff stuff. And for that time, they were right on par, if not even better or more important or bigger deal than WWE for that year or two. But the problem is most of the we've seen it with a lot of these companies. It's can you be steady? Can you stay steady? Throughout what like what Vince has done With the WWE can you become a publicly Traded company like that can you Get the type of Deals that that Vince has got With NBC and Peacock and all that stuff So um they have It it, it gets frustrating sometimes We talk about how some shows feel like they're Mailing it in but they they've kind of earned That luxury a little bit more Because they've, so they've much done more it for so long Yeah and it's smooth it's easier To watch now they may not it, The Raw may be horrible but it's easier to watch. It seems like the more you try to throw into an action movie, uh, it just seems like hard to follow. Yeah. The two spots, the two big moments, we don't remember them because there were so many other moments that they've tried little smaller moments. So I'm with you. That's why I asked you that question. I I think they have, you know, a smaller margin of error uh, as now they go onto the road, uh, both shows now. Um, I think they'll find their footing at this third hour. I just don't want them to, you know, like we just said with Jericho and MJF. I mean, we, we've got a while before that next big pay-per-view. And we've got Jericho with four matches, and we've got other weeks to fill. As we look at this show last night, I mean, who's not going to be on next week, right? Uh, I mean, Andrade, he's got to be on. Do you, Malachi Black has to be on some some way. You saw the pop that Orange Cassidy got, right? That's what made me really feel good. I thought, you know, this was the guy that got hurt by by fans not being there. But you look at the show last night, and there's a lot of people on this show that was on there uh, Wednesday night, Gino, that's not going to be on every Wednesday night. You know, so they're going to have to get figure out, um, you know, and maybe they're happy. Maybe they don't care, and maybe they uh, – this or that. And, and again, I think Tony Khan has a lot, his hand. I think he calls a lot of the shots. I, you know, I, I know he's got Omega, the Bucks, and Cody, and he's got all these executive producers. But at the end of the day, I think Tony Khan is making a lot of these decisions. And I'm not saying that's good nor bad. I'm just saying it's easier to watch other shows. It's like at the end of that, that dynamite, it's like, <sighs> I know you're right. Breath. You're, no, no, you're right. You're right. Especially for someone that. like me and you who like, I take some notes, you know, I'm watching yes. as I'm going, like I'm jotting yeah. things down or I'm it, with matches. And it's like, I can't even do it while it's live. I literally <laughs> have to like wait until later in the night and when it, right. or like in the morning and be able to play it back so I can stop a few things here and there. It's yes. just impossible. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. Look, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's good for if you're already immersed into that product and you know everything about it and you're a fan and you follow and you watch being the elite and all that stuff, it's great. You feel like, wow, they're giving me so much stuff. It's just, if a a person who had never watched tuned in, it would be, it would be a lot to try to digest. And look, (laughs) they're, they may be ecstatic and they, they act like they are and they, and they probably are. They could be, 
But the goal, right, Gino, if we're going into business, the goal is, number one, it's always at the end of the day to make some kind of profit. The profit. These kind of, you know, con, these people, they own an NFL team, right? They have lots and lots of money. I don't know how much profit this is at all. So number two, you want to be, Gino, you and I want to be at the best at what we do. We're going to try to be the best at what we do. At the end of the day, there's no way that AEW doesn't think about being number one. And you have to, and you have to strive to be number one. And they're, they're just, they're going to figure out their footing. They're going to have yeah. to, with, you know, and it's going to be interesting for that, that third hour on Friday nights. If the ratings of that show is not any good. Okay. And, the, and they're half of what they get on Wednesday nights. We might have an issue, an early issue here, because they have to extend these Wednesday nights into Friday. Wouldn't you think? And it's got to grow. If if Christian Cage and Matt Hardy, that that show would be that match would be Friday night, I would think. So got to grow. It's got to grow. We have to. If you're selling pie to the pie crowd. Uh, you're gonna get your pie people. Yeah, people. And they're gonna love the the pie crowd thinks you do pie as well as anyone. The problem yeah, I, is I've got to get the yeah, exactly exactly. Yep. It's not get the pie. You got to get the the you got to get the cookie people and the cake yeah. people. Right, exactly. the people that are watching other sports that yep. used to be pie people, but maybe they're into health stuff now or whatever <laughs> yeah. that is. You know, like like totally agree. And as much as we crap on WWE for maybe. Frustrating some of the hardcore wrestling fans They do give you an easier More digestible watch That people flipping through the channel Would be more likely to stop and watch Exactly That's all yeah. I'm saying That's yeah. all I'm saying And, and yeah. look they, they have a chance They have a chance to make a really big They've got a big I, I think that's the one problem Other than getting a show flow And this is a part of, uh, of that Is they have a roster that is massive um, you know, where was, uh, you know, we, we've had the, the elite, uh, the elite killer, you know, where was he last night? Uh, it's just, you've got to figure out this roster and who you're going to push and who needs to be on TV every week instead of stop putting them on TV every two or three weeks. If that's the method and the route that they're going to go, the new Japan and stuff, they're never going to be number one. That's, it's just the end of the day. It's not going to happen. Chad Cooper, you don't get Honest, no biased analysis like this anywhere from both Coop and I each and every week. We're going to give you positives. We went through a lot of things we liked about AEW. Pretty much most of the content, the the things that we didn't like, we thought could have been better were just the, the technical aspects of yeah. it, how, how they yeah. presented it all. WWE sort of on the opposite side, not as many positives right now. It feels like they're kind of mailing things in uh, leading into their last few weeks in the Thunderdome. But like you said, we got to give a shout out because – Things could have been really, really bad for wrestling over the last year and a half. And both of these companies stepped up in their different ways. Uh, AEW was able to take advantage of Daly's place. WWE created the Thunderdome. And this is a lot better than where we were those first few weeks when we were in NXT, when there was nothing and nobody around and no sound and no noise. We at least got a lot better than that. And uh, we're we're gonna get a lot better than that in a couple of weeks, Chad. When everyone's back, uh, it's heating up. Uh, it's good to see NBA's almost over, so it'll be uh, wrestling, baseball, and uh, we'll have the Olympics for a little while. And 
you know, hey, I, I, I'm blessed to watch and, and see all this and be able to see all this and be able to talk to you about it every week. Um, it, this is, you know, other than eating and sleeping, this is my one of my favorite times of the week, Gino. Me too. To Me to too. Wrestling with you and to see that uh, this show, you know, the popularity, you know, spread. Yeah, I told around. you the other day, how cool That's- is that? We were in the last 30 days. So just within the last month, we've had listeners in like, I, I think 17 to 18 countries around the world. Um, and that's because of wrestling. You know, everybody around the world loves wrestling. Everybody around the world loves the NBA. People love horse racing all around the world. People love Star Wars and uh, people love Marvel stuff. And those are things I've, you know, been able to have here on uh, on That's What G Said. And man, we appreciate your work each and every week. You give us so much of your time. Uh, think about all the time just watching those shows, putting together your thoughts, and then the other hour and a half that you come on here and talk with us about it. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's you know the best like sixty to ninety minutes that you're gonna get anywhere w- when it comes to wrestling coverage because we're gonna go through all four of those shows, any other news and notes, anything going on, and we're not just gonna say oh we don't like that. We're gonna tell you why. Well, right. How could it be a little bit better? Because that's always the key. What good is it if you say oh that stinks? Well, what would you do differently? How would you yeah. change it? We're yeah, gonna let you know. Yeah, and I, I've heard you know I've had several people tell me this is an easy listen. They like to see it, you know, hear our conversations. And that was the big thing. If you don't like it, tell us why and how would you do it? Not just, oh, Vince sucks or, oh, Tony Khan yep. sucks or, oh, this wrestler sucks. Oh, Carmella did this. What would you do different? Give us an alternative. Give, give us an option. Or, you, know, de- you know, it's kind of like a debate why we didn't like this and why we didn't like that. And uh, let them make their own decisions and maybe they'll start seeing it, uh, you know, in a different view. We're not trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong. We're just trying to give you a different view on uh, the what's this week in wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Coop, my man, you, you got a it. Great, great rest of your uh, your weekend into your weekend. And heck, man, I can't wait. We got uh, AW already on the road, and then we're we're coming up to Money in the Bank and and back in fans for WWE. So. Uh, make sure to give the Coop Man a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh Loop, my man, you have a great weekend, buddy. See you next week. Chad Cooper there. Do not go anywhere, folks. Let's finish up this episode of That's What G Said. Loop, thanks so much, Chad Cooper, helping us out with this week in wrestling. And before we move along to the old wrestling rewatch, we have to remind you about our friends at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. And the promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. C-E-R-A candles.com, all natural soy wax candles free from those toxins, those carcinogens, those pollutants that are present in a lot of other leading candle brands. Don't forget, promo code G-I-N-O. Going to get you 10% off your purchase from sarahcandles.com. We head to the old wrestling rewatch, SummerSlam 1988 with Andrew Champagne. Got to say, wasn't the greatest show. Uh, The first ever SummerSlam, it was a, a show that we we're expecting to be a little better than it was. It has a good main event. There are a couple of good tags on the show, but overall, just so many matches that just don't feel like they were pay-per-view worthy. So we had two 1988 WWF for SummerSlam in the old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne. Oh, yeah. 
Wrestling Rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. <laughs> the old Wrestling Rewatch heads way back to the first ever WWF SummerSlam. Back to 1988. And I gotta say, there's no sugarcoating it. Andrew, I am sorry uh, on this one. This is a pretty bad show. Um, there are 10 matches on the show. There are five matches that are in the five to seven minute range. Every one of them is awful. Every one of those five is terrible. And they all should have been like two minute squashes. They were all, they, they were trying to get somebody over and all of them were way too long. There were four matches that felt like they could have been on a pay-per-view one of them was 30 seconds in a squash, and the other three that actually were what you would say average to above average, like to good matches, the, un- the problem is they're all tags. So they're so similar. It's so formulaic. You have a lot of the same things happening in those matches. Um, I-, I forgot how bad this show was. I actually don't remember ever even thinking this show was this was this bad. It does end with a good match and a positive Note, and there is another cool moment on the show. Two other good tags, I'd say. Six matches, and a lot of this show is just so skippable. Yeah, so you remember all those times where I picked weird shows, and your very first words out of your mouth were, Andrew, I hate you. Well, see, here's the difference. I picked those shows because they were so bad, they're entertaining. This show was just bad. And now, I didn't mean to. That was the thing. I don't, I didn't, you know, I would have uh, like teased it and played it up if it was bad. I didn't, I forgot that the bulk of this show was just so bad. Well, here's why. So it's 1988. The structure of building to pay per views did not exist at this mm-hmm. point. That nope. wouldn't be in effect for another couple of years, at least when they decided to build everything towards their pay-per-views. Everything did still build to WrestleMania, but that was a little different. So you still had house shows as the primary source of income for WWE's touring base. So they were trying to sell their house shows to people, and as such, they wanted the blow-offs to happen on the house show circuit, and this acted as ways to potentially build that up. It's a completely different business model to what WWE, AEW, and any other wrestling company puts together as of right now in 2021. But my goodness, I understand there were certain angles that needed to be advanced, and that's one thing. Oh boy, some of these matches are just terrible. Several of them do have the excuse of trying to build up some newer guys. I get that to a point, but the guys they chose for those spots... Yeah. On a major show or what should have been a major show. Nobody wanted to see the powers of pain, especially when we already had demolition, especially when the Heart Foundation was pretty crazy over after turning babyface. You take a look at, say, the big boss man, that was fine. You take a look at Bad News Brown, he was fine for what he was, but it's not like he was ever going to be a main eventer for various reasons. Did we really need Jake Hercules? Did we really need Dino Bravo and Don Morocco? Uh, This is a two-hour and 30-minute show that could easily have been an hour and a half. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Taken a whole lot. How much? How much better would this show have been as a Saturday Night's main event? 
Exactly. Or which, even like a primetime wrestling kind of thing. Yeah. Like, for which, sure. is what, which is what they were doing a lot of times building to, you know, at this at this time. Like you, you said, they didn't really have pay-per-views, so they would have the house shows. And then a lot of their times, their buildups would be what they would tape for Saturday night's main event and ended up being uh, like some really good matches from the, you know, 85 to 92 era. Some of the better matches that you see from probably some of your favorite WWE, WWF stars. From the, the Jakes and the DiBiase's A lot of good machos You get a lot of good tag matches there The Hart Foundation you know, th- Those all came on Saturday night's main event um, a, a lot of times So it would have been so much better You put the, the Mega Powers tag match You put the Ultimate Warrior winning the IC title You got the tag team title match So you have all three title matches on there And then you throw one other match on that You and throw boom. the Rick Rude match in there because the Cheryl Roberts tights thing was pretty it's damn building, good. and it was building an angle. Jake's going to come out at the end. You're going to continue to set up and move their angle forward. And Jake, gotta say, he looked probably in as close to, or if not the best shape of his career right here. In really, certainly with WWF. In, yes, yeah. yeah, thin, like real thin. Um, not not that belly starting to creep out quite yet. So, um, we'll get through this show, but it was. It was disappointing. Um, it it was it was built around the main event, and the, and I will say this: for as much as the show wasn't good, the main event did deliver for what it was it supposed was to fine. be. Yeah, it wasn't like a home run, but it was how a lot of Hogan main events of the time were. And and because you've got DiBiase and Savage doing a lot of the work in here, it was better than what would have just been a Hogan versus Andre match. You know, as far um, as the quality. That's true. The problem is. It has the same problem as a lot of main events in the late 80s. You knew there was no chance of Hogan losing. The heels are, oh, it wasn't yeah. going to happen. It was just a matter of why. And we'll get into how they blew that very early in the show. So let's get into SummerSlam 88. We're going to probably have to sit through a, a couple others. I was looking, though. I do think 89, 90, there are... Gino, if I may just like try to play interventionist here. Matches moving forward. There is nothing, and I mean nothing. There is no constitutional requirement saying that we need to be completionists if we We don't don't have to be. We don't. So I'm just saying, you know, just as long as we don't have to like do shows that we know are going to be awful and not entertaining awful, I'm just saying awful. I've still tiptoed around Mania One for that reason. I, I know, you know, and uh, th- there are some that aren't like you said. See, they're not Mania quite. Mania One's a little different because that's the precursor to all of the Mania. And it started. I can understand that much. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a a historically important show, and I sort of felt the same with this one as SummerSlam. You know, has always been w- what looks like the co second. Well, you know, we can't all hit a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Probably the co-second biggest show of the year, the Rumble, um, along with SummerSlam, always um, are treated like pretty big shows. SummerSlam hasn't quite, our Survivor Series hasn't quite been as much uh, through the years. Money in the Bank nowadays gets treated like a, a pretty big show too. But this one started out actually fine. Um, so we get the Mega Powers coming together here, and that's the buildup. That's the main event match here. Everything. Um, uh, built around the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth against the Mega Bucks, Andre and Ted, Andre the Giant, Ted DiBiase with Bobby the Brain and uh, and Virgil. So SummerSlam number one, and we get the opening video package, the WWF graphic 
what the world is watching and uh, we get the images of people involved in the main event this was very 80s looking uh, and at the time you know we'll see the wwf and wwe get great with their video packages um their their footage and stuff and their cuts later throughout the show were better this was these are funny seeing these early uh early graphics here and what made this show hurt is that billy graham is just bad on commentary too you know like a bad show like this could have been helped like a show if jesse would have been on commentary until the main event and then he went in to ref the match and you got bobby or somebody or then even you just have billy graham he just isn't good he doesn't and it's it's something that um whether it was Macho Man or other a lot of wrestlers who you kind of assumed through the years that you could kind of just slot uh, slot onto commentary and they'd be good, it's like they don't quite get the cadence that they're supposed to use. They're kind of always sort of yelling, like they don't get the build of the match. How you're you got to kind of you know slow build it, and then the last couple minutes, everything with the near falls can be more exciting. But he's just always yelling from the moment the matches start, and it like. It loses something, right? When when you're always having that same level. He's trying too hard. And the reason for that is, for some inexplicable reason, they told a trailblazing heel who was responsible for a lot of Ric Flair's stuff, for a lot of Jesse Ventura's stuff, for a lot of Hulk Hogan's heel stuff, that he needed to be a babyface. No. You're fighting from behind already, and he's trying to be the energetic baby face that always stays up throughout the entire show. And that's not who superstar Billy Graham is. Superstar Billy Graham was the heel that was 10 years ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. The guy that beat Bruno Sammartino for the WWF title. He was the most hated man in professional wrestling for a few years, and they made him a baby face because reasons now i'm not saying him as a heel would have been immeasurably better but it would have been better than what we had if he had simply just followed gorilla's lead cracked a couple of heel quotes every once in a while and made gorilla do a couple of will you stops but nope that's not what we got we got superstar billy graham in full-on babyface mode which nobody ever asked for so this is a good match. I mean, it's it's Bulldogs versus the Rougeos here. British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid versus Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. This is a good old school tag. You're going to get good ring work. And I mean, it's a little slow early as the heels dominate, but they're telling the story. Good ring psychology here. It's something that you talk about um, with a lot of old school tags. Everything seems to matter here. Crowd really hot for the baby faces. They hated the heels here. You're gonna get some really good suplexes. You know, with the uh, with Dynamite Kid in here, you get a belly to back uh, there. But just a, a couple really slow spots, like a long chin lock, uh, early uh, middle part of the match for a couple minutes. Um, the ref, uh, you know, keeps getting distracted when the the baby faces try to make a tag. So the uh, the they keep having to sell the sell spots to last a little bit longer in the ring. Towards the end, we get a uh, you know, uh, my kid goes for the small package for two, but the ref doesn't see it. Um, then kid gets the the uh, the tag, um, but again, the ref is distracted. 
And then uh, finally we get Davy Boy for a drop kick. Um, but he grabs the Jacques grabs the ropes, and then Davy Boy with a big press slam. Um, Jacques is sent crotch first on the uh, on the top rope. Fans, I gotta say, fans were really into this throughout, and they were pretty hot throughout this show, even though it wasn't great. They were they were they were exactly the kind of crowd you'd want. Anything that was like remotely exciting, they were gonna pop pretty big for, and uh, and they did throughout a lot of this match. Um, what what hurt this match? I gave it like a three stars, like maybe that's like what I gave it to. Maybe just over at the time for a tag match. It's probably a little bit better. The the reason why I didn't want to go more is because I, I I don't hate a draw at this point, especially if it's between two teams and it's part of a feud. I just the announcers didn't really talk about it at all, which was weird. They didn't we didn't get any updates throughout the match, 10 minutes or 15 minutes or which they usually will do and it's a draw. They didn't sell us as, "Oh, this is getting close to the time limit draw." We didn't hear about it at all. The bell rang and the announcers were even kind of kind of off like taken for a moment. "Oh, what was that?" "Oh, it it wasn't a DQ." And so that was what I didn't like. They didn't tell the story very well and that impacted it for me. So, this show wasn't good. This show wasn't even average. Gino, if you didn't know what this show was, Gorilla Monsoon was going to tell you eight times in the first ten minutes, it's a happening. Quick thing. Every time Gorilla Monsoon says, it's a happening, or some variation, take a drink. Drink, drink, You will be bombed within a half hour. (laughs) I love Gorilla Monsoon. He and I share an alma mater of the Ithaca College. He still holds several amateur wrestling records. The joke I make is that I am the third most notable graduate of Ithaca College. Gorilla Monsoon is number two. And there's this guy that you actually padded the pockets of recently. Um, Maybe I'm saying the last name wrong. Iger, this Bob Iger guy. (laughs) He manages this little company called Disney. 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 (laughs) I don't know. There are people, you know, who walk around in mouse costumes and and whatnot. That guy's got (laughs) some potential. I think that's a company you're going to want to watch. Yeah. But Ithaca discourse notwithstanding, the announced team was bad right off the rip. Superstar talks a lot about Davey Boy Smith's body. If you know superstar Billy Graham, the one quirk he has is that he is never shy about saying, oh, he's on steroids. He's on steroids. He's on steroids. And he knows because he's ingested pretty much every substance known to man over the course of his lifetime. And there have been a couple of times where he's been on death's door because of it. Now, he says that about Davy Boy, and you can tell there are a couple of guys on the roster you can tell are really heavy on the gas. The most notable thing you can look for, I've found, is if you look over the shoulders and you see the muscles there that connect the shoulder and the neck, if those are ridiculously large, chances are you've got a steroid user. So Davy Boy's on the gas. Tom Billington's on the gas because he was always on the gas. We got the, the powers of pain in through yep. here. We got Warrior. We got Dino Hogan Bravo in Morocco. Clearly on the gas. And this is when Savage is starting to get big too. And they're both on something. And um, it might not just be steroids. There, yeah. there might have been some nose candy <laughs> multiple, there. Multiple. Woo! Go know. on, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing though, 
The Rujos were not. They were smaller guys, but for smaller guys who were sort of high-flying for their time, they had a pretty stiff brand of offense. Mm -hmm. These were two guys that could really work. Jacques Rougeau, of course, would go on to fame as the Mountie and now get that theme song out of your head. Good luck with that one. But this was a good tag match, easily the best match of the night, I thought. These two teams worked really hard. It would have been a lot better if it was a little bit shorter. That long shin lock near the end just sort of ruined the flow of what was a really good match. The first eight minutes are excellent stuff, and it's a lot of tag team wrestling stuff that still holds true more than 30 years later. You get teams that cut off the ring. You get the long segment where they keep the face from tagging out. You get stuff where that builds and builds and builds and builds. It's good stuff. You just wish there had been some sort of decision. Would it have killed anybody? Even a DQ or a countout would have been better than what we had. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's a good opener. It's a good match. Based off the first half of the match, it should have been far better than it was. Still, though, yes. if you yes. haven't seen it, this is a cool match to check out. The Bulldogs in the mid to late 80s did a lot of really cool stuff. And this was towards the end of their run as a tag team because Tom Billington was very much on the downside of his career. In fact, I believe it was around this time that Jacques Rougeau actually punched him out in the dressing room. And mm -hmm, many people see that as when the Dynamite Kids sort of lost his mojo. And yeah, it's it's just for the, the opening match, too. You probably want a good finish to get the crowd happy, even if it's a roll up here, you know, and they slip on a banana peel finish and the Bulldogs roll them up. That's that would have been fine, you know. Um, just like you said, even even the things that were good on this mat uh, on this show or that weren't bad on the show. The problem is, is they could have been better. There was nothing that was yeah. just like there was nothing that you looked at and said, "Wow, that was just an unbelievable home run." They they did that as well as they possibly could. Because um, we're it's we're going to see it's it. Not even just could have been better. It's should, should have, have been, been better. It and would we do not have taken much. And we, I mean, for example, even like Demolition uh, Heart Foundation, which I think is very solid and one of the better things on the show. They have a better match at SummerSlam, I think, two years later. Much better match. I think it's the two yeah. falls even or something like that. But it's 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 just a way better match. So we uh we move on and we get a video of uh Brutus Beefcake getting attacked by Outlaw Ron Bass on TV. Censored, 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 censored. And this uh is the reason why Beefcake will not be challenging for the IC title, but they uh they will have someone else challenging for that title. They don't tell us who. That's sort of a tease for uh, the first half of the evening. Uh, this match ne uh, next up was just bad. This was really bad. And this starts a string of three consecutive pretty bad matches. One of them I'll give the benefit of the doubt on it. And that you, uh, you were sort of making a case for earlier right in the middle. But we'll get there in a minute. Bad News Brown uh, beats Ken Patera here. This thing goes about 6.30. I mean, it's just... You know, you're going to get some just basic punches and kicks, chop here, pateras. They're both moving so slow. Um, you know, it's, you get a weak backbreaker. Fans aren't into this. Um, 
Patera oh goes. My God, for a... you can just tell this is a horrible show because house... neither of us are enthusiastic at all. It's I'm like just our so... enthusiasm was just totally drained. I know, and it will, and, and and there's a couple that I'll get into, you know, like uh, the matches that I'll get into, and and, and a couple of moments, but this was just. You know, you, you get a full Nelson, but they're just moving so slow. He, uh, Brown, you know, hits the ghetto blaster, back of the head kick for the win. And, and this, by the way, that is the name of his finisher. This was 1988, folks. Yeah, that was the name of it. This thing went 630, and the same exact thing could have been accomplished in three minutes. Yep, that's precisely the case. Now, Patera has an excuse as to why he may have been a little bit rusty. It's not a good excuse, but it's an excuse. He had been in prison for two years. He was in jail for a a fast food incident, correct? It wasn't just the fast food incident. So here's what happened. We are going to take every deviation possible between now and the last match on the show because we need to (laughs) liven this up. We have to. So Ken Patera and fellow AWA heel Masa Saito were at a McDonald's. They tried to get in. It was late at night. They were denied service. A rock gets thrown through the McDonald's window. Patera insists to this day that it was a disgruntled former employee that had shown up. It was not him. But at any rate, the wrestlers go back to their hotel. The police officers track them down. Now, the logical thing to do, if you've been accused of something like this and you did not do it, is to casually tell the officers, listen, we were there, we were denied service, we did not throw the rock, we know who did. That's what they should have done. Instead, Ken Batera and Masa Saito beat up the police officers that came to talk with them about the incident. <laughs> Two years later, Ken Batera is out of jail, he's with the WWF, and he's somehow a babyface. And he's 45 years old because at this point. Reasons. So? I love because reasons. And, and yeah, he's, he is in his mid-40s. He still has a good physique for his age. This is a guy who was an Olympic weightlifter who went to Munich and competed in the Olympic Games in 1972. The, the guy was a legitimate powerhouse. Except he's in his mid-40s. He's facing a guy who, for his time, was a very imposing dude. Bad News Brown was a legitimate judo guy mm-hmm. who did not want to mess with Bad News Brown. However, as a worker, from bell to bell, not really there. No. You're right. This was 6.30. It should have been about three minutes. Patera's offense looks lousy. They botch a whip into the corner, and it seems like Patera almost beats bad news into the corner when he's supposed to hit a charge. So they do that. Oh, this is a horrible. They have, they have to, to redo, redo it. the spot because <laughs> it's crucial to the finish. Yeah. Patera gets sent into the post. He staggers back out, oh, and yeah. bad news hits the enziguri to the back of the head. That is the ghetto blaster for the pin. This was really, really bad. We get the mega powers, the uh, the strongest force in okay, the Okay, here we go. You know, I want you to discuss to discuss these two promos. 
I'm going to jump in with my big thought and why this is just horrible, horrible, horrible stuff and why even sometimes guys like Hogan and Savage probably need a writer. Go ahead. So, yeah, they say that the mega powers are now the strongest force in the universe. Macho, Macho says something along the lines of, I've never felt so much electricity. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm talking about the madness and the mania. Oh, yeah. And uh, sweating, kind of oozing. There's lots of energy. I will say this. um, Hogan jumps in and... uh, uh, they say that Elizabeth is the secret weapon. Here we go. Okay. All right. That was still savage. Yeah. I'm stopping you there. You're going against Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. Jesse Ventura is the special referee, and you know he's not going to be impartial. From a strategic standpoint, if you have a secret weapon, why are you saying what the secret weapon is? Why are you even telling us? Why are you telling us before? Um why are you letting us know about your secret weapon? Not the the greatest strategery here from Not those mega powers. And uh, Hogan says the last thing the mega bucks will see is the kiss of death. That's a good line. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were sweating. They were uh, muscled up. They were probably on something. But I will say this is. A really good version of Macho Man I'm not, I mean the the promo from him Was whatever, but when he gets in the ring Later, he's bouncing around He's very happy to be the company guy Right here, he's he's like Loving where he is, he's in a great spot And he does try to help do his Best to carry that match uh, in the main event And we'll get there, and we'll get there But, goodness uh, We get to Ravishing Rick Rude and Bobby the Brain They enter for Rick Rude's match and it's Rick Rude versus JYD. But what I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, ugly, inner city sweat hogs to keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show the ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Now, what I will say is the camera crew did an excellent job here because they found women who were entranced by this guy. And for good reason, Rick Rude was a good-looking human being at this time. He kind of had the Tom Selleck thing going on. He did. He did. He had that. He... And he was great. Like, he was such a jackass. People loved it. They responded very well to him. So, Rick Rude out with Bobby the Brain. And uh, we get JYD. And we get a big pop for JYD, Andrew. But... You know, this is more about the uh, the angle here because Rick Rude and Jake the Snake were in the middle of a feud themselves. That's why Rick Rude has the face of Cheryl Roberts on his tights. So we get, you know, just a lot of slow, slow. Most of this match that goes six fifteen is with Rude in charge and chin lock, but the crowd is pretty into it. A couple small flurries for JYD. Um, he starts to. Take control, he gets a big punch Bobby the Brain gets on the apron And Rude attacks from behind And then off the top rope He is about to win But here comes Jake the Snake Roberts Who's furious that Rude Has the Cheryl Roberts face picture Airbrushed on the, on the tights Another where If this is about the angle This thing could have been cut two minutes off of it Very easily And done the same thing Yeah, so 
Rude does the pre-match shtick. His first set of tights has JYD on the front and back. Yeah, yeah, Whoever they're... did Rick Rude's tights, just kudos. This was tremendous, outstanding stuff. So JYD comes out, gets a big pop. We get the obligatory appearance of Grab Them Cakes, which is an excellent piece of business as a theme music. Um, I got a kick out of something, and this is something that we've brought up on past shows when Samoan wrestlers are involved and the fact that you never hit Samoans in the head. Well, it would appear as though JYD has at least some Samoan in him because they spent several parts of the match with Rude trying to hit JYD in the head and JYD either no-selling or making these really strange faces back at him. Now, Junkyard Dog was a huge star in the early 80s in Mid-South Wrestling. If you haven't seen some of that stuff, by all means, go. He was the top face in that territory for a while and for good reason. In the late 80s, though, a lot of different things started taking their toll on him. He just was not the same worker that he had been. And in this particular match, he's up against Rick Rude, who has all the character stuff down pat. Very good talker, had the look, but from bell to bell was very, very green. Taking a look at the Rick Rude of, say, 88 against the Rick Rude that would go to WCW in the early 90s. Mm -hmm, That we've seen. Three and a half, four star matches with everybody. Um, It's a big, big difference. And it underscores the fact that Rude just wasn't ready for prime time here. But what we get is Rude going to the top rope. And before he jumps off with this fist drop, which is not a great move, by the way, he's basically standing up as he hits the, the canvas coming down. He takes off the top of his tights to reveal the face of another man's wife on the crotch of a second pair of tights. Great stuff. There's a lot we can knock on this show. That's freaking outstanding. And of course, that brings out Jake Roberts to clear the ring. And at the end of the match, when Rude's announced as the winner by disqualification, they talk about how Roberts is consoling Junkyard Dog. Well, Junkyard Dog hit about three moves in the span of a five-minute match. He wasn't winning. No. If anything, he should be thanking Jake the Snake Roberts for that. I was just about to get knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. Alas, that's not what we got. But for the angle alone, this one's worth a watch. And one of Jake's... Because that's the problem and we're going to talk about with Jake in a minute And this was sort of the issue with Rude like you mentioned When you look at a lot of Rude's work at this time in his um, little run in WWF Before going over to WCW He has the good matches with Warrior And that's about it Like you watch some of the stuff that he does with Jake And a lot of it's disappointing There is a good one on Saturday night's main event that I believe happens I think it's in October Like not long after this as sort of one of the culminations um, But a lot of their stuff Is just they're both really Good in ring psychologists but it, It's just kind of slow they both You know like a Jake and a, and a Rude are so similar In style that they kind of need Someone that's a little quicker Or a little different than their style For them to mesh better with two of them Together of, of like style Is just sort of boring and, Yes yeah and, That's and for sure it sort of underwhelmed a couple of their matches that I would see on, you know, on um, some of the MSG TV or um, 
or or you, some stuff that you'd see pop up on pay per views that you would kind of want a little more from the the Saturday Night's Main Event one though I think is worth a watch too so check that one out and maybe in, I think coming up I'm gonna pick a couple of those to to possibly do too they're shorter watches and some of them are really good they have real memorable moments a lot of fun stuff so um, perhaps some of those or even Monday Night Raws we can start a Getting into uh, some of those that have really good stuff to go back and watch, as long as uh, we can all get get them on on Peacock, we'll see. But that's a yeah, that's something yeah. for another time. That's that's a, that's a podcast in itself. As we get to Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart backstage, and we have Mean Gene interviewing them. Honky was laughing. He says he doesn't care who it is. I'll face anybody here, um, and. Mean Gene's about to tell him who he's. I don't care. You know, we're gonna surprise him. This is a surprise. This is great. I'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. I don't want to know. This is gonna be so good. Mean Gene's trying to tell him this man has extraordinary ability, but nope, he does not mind. Um, this was fine, and you know what? Like you said, there's plenty of bad on the show, but the stuff with Honky uh, for the punishment, or there's a, a great backstory to it, and for whatever reason. They did it really well, and this this night got Ultimate Warrior over from another power guy that they were, you know, excited about to, oh wow, this guy is a star, and they're really, really going to give him, uh, give him the ball and and, and let him kind of run with it, and they did for a couple years. Well, way to spoil the surprise, Gino. Um, right. <laughs> but no, this was great, and looking back at the way they told the story. You could tell it was building to something. You just didn't know what. And the reason this worked is that for more than a year, the honky-tonk man had been the guy that would constantly get out of title defenses by the skin of his teeth through whatever means he could. He wasn't a great worker. He wasn't the kind of guy that the fans wanted to see. The fans wanted to see him get beaten up and ultimately... He rode that to being one of the best heels in the company. Yep. And then it would all come crashing down in 27 seconds because they smartly realized that Honky Tonk Man was never going to be a world title contender. This was the apex for him, and it was time for him to make somebody else who could potentially rise past him in the hierarchy. And of course, that's what the Ultimate Warrior wound up doing. If you look back, Knowing what's going to happen later on in the evening, it's a pretty fantastic piece of business. So we get the Bolsheviks with Slick, who tells everybody to stand for the Russian national anthem. Nikolai Volkov sings, everybody boos, and here come the powers of pain with the Baron. I totally forgot about this partnership for a brief, brief bit. He was their manager. They are from Parts Unknown. A couple people from Parts Unknown on this show will reference what Warrior says a little bit I later. I gotta tell you, that spaceship going back to Parts Unknown, it was a full flight. I was, it was, right? I think I was on it the other night at uh, the new Star Wars land over at Disney. Another Disney shout-out here. So, Baron Von Raschke was the Baron. And we don't even really see him. He's like a hooded figure. He's got some paint on his face. And we barely get a look at him whatsoever. I wish we barely got a look at this match to be fair because this is another one that went it went 527. They're trying to build the powers of pain who you know what at this time fine big power team they look great cool face paint you know this was what they were trying to to 
to do WWF was at the time build some of these power teams as like a um a a uh, comparison to the LOD, you know, it was their version. They did it with Demolition too. It's just it's it's bad. We actually saw the Warlord have some okay matches against the Bulldog. They they had a little chemistry together, but he's so stiff. And what hurts this match, it's a 5 minute 27 match, 5 minute 27 second match, just under 5:30. There are about 4 minutes in the middle where it's like the Warlord in there sort of trying to sell because they're the baby faces. It's just like nothing. He's just moving around slowly, chin lock, um, the heels are, are you know trying to do their best heel work. We finally get the uh, the tag to bring in the barbarian. He hits a body slam. He hits a big boot, a clothesline. The, the I will say, for as much as I'm dogging this match, I actually do like their finisher. I think it's it's a solid finisher for like a tag finisher of this era, where you've get the uh, the combo cool finisher where it was. The what the warlord with the power slam and then the barbarian goes up to the top and he hits the uh, the headbutt off the top for the win. That's a good spot. Getting there, five twenty seven. Like the powers of pain. This should have been what happened with the Bolsheviks at what was it WrestleMania? Like this should have been a two minute match at the most. It should have been powers of pain. They're not selling anything. Complete squash. Make them look dominant. Show us their finisher and get out of there. So I can give this match a little bit of a pass because at least all four guys were showing some sort of energy. They weren't at least sleepwalking through this thing. The Bolsheviks get trotted out there with the instructions of making the powers of pain look like a significant threat. Here's my problem. With the exception of demolition, which worked, every time Vince McMahon tried to impersonate the Road Warriors, it did not work. Gee, why not just, I don't know, get the Road Warriors? And then they would eventually, of course, wind up doing that. But still, it's just, it's so transparent. You know what's going on here. And it's a derivative of a derivative because they already had demolition, which was actually over. And then you're bringing in the powers of pain who are bigger, but are by no means mobile. Now, you know me, I have a soft spot for a lot of late 80s AWA stuff. For reasons I cannot explain, nor do I want to understand, um, Baron Von Raschke is the manager of the Powers of Pain. And when you said this didn't last long, it really wasn't long because later in 1988, he was back in the AWA fold. And of course, he would wind up spending part of 1989 and 1990 as the manager of Baron's Blitzers in the AWA Team Challenge Series. See, everything keeps coming back to that AWA Team Challenge Series. And if you haven't heard our show on that, go back and take a listen because it's one of the more entertaining things we have ever done. Now, as far as this match goes, it's nothing special. Uh, The Warlord was always limited. Nikolai Volkov's on the downside of his career. Boris Zukov is nothing special. The Barbarian, however, would get better, and he, of course, would wind up as part of a criminally underappreciated tag team in the mid-1990s, the Faces of Fear with one Ming, a.k.a. Haku. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. you do not like the Faces of Fear, I defy you to stand in front of Ming and tell him to his face. Tell him that. Let him know that. Doom, 
Was it? He was Doom too, right? Oh uh, no, Doom was uh, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Okay, that was Butch Reed. Okay, there we go. Yeah, because there was a good um special right now on the Peacock uh, on Peacock about the the best tag teams of all time with uh, WWF. Give that a watch. To um, it's uh, it, it's cool. It goes through a lot of the uh, you know a lot of cool it's fun. It's wrong at the top, but it's good. Yeah, it, it it's always going to be that way. I in love WWF me some lists. new day. I love those guys, and it's fantastic what they've been able to do. But no, just no. If you're going to pick a unit, go with the Freebirds. Go with the Von Erics. No, but you got to remember this is WWE. They're telling their story. Are this you always... telling me that this will not be objective because of who is producing it? And you know what? Incomplete kayfabe for New Day has done has been together in this era for a damn long time. And so yep. you know what? They they've done a they've done as well of a job w- with them as a group of baby faces as I mean, anybody in this era? Like who else has been like that like solidly Cheered and the fans are behind them um, Consistently so Yeah you know I agree like they're a top Five team I'm sh- there are a lot of Other tag teams that would have been better but You know they want to tell that story that's of fine course. It's a good it's it's a good fun um, Fun thing to throw on in the background and watch But um, A lot of this a lot of this show was just uh, Yeah a struggle Once and again we're going on every possible Tangent imaginable we are. because we, are. we want to avoid talking about this Show as this, much as humanly Possible and I don't want to talk About this next segment really At all it took a full minute For brother love to enter the ring And but, when but they Gino, talk about go Gino, away he, he loves you He loves you he says when they talk so. about Go away he this is This was it to me there are there were A lot of times there, I, there weren't many times for me when I was watching wrestling that something bothered me so much that I felt like I wanted to change the channel. Brother Love was one of those, and it takes a full minute for him to get to the ring. Then it's six minutes of him in hacksaw, just talking. It, you, we know what's going to happen as soon as hacksaw gets ready to attack. He starts to hold up his two by four like he's going to swing. I, I did laugh with how quick Bruce Pritchard was able to duck out of that ring and sprint away. He got out of there like a bat out of hell. It's just like seven minutes of just a total waste. So I've got a theory for you. So in the WWE retirement home where all gimmicks go and live out their best days, there is no doubt Brother Love is hitting on Vicky Guerrero constantly and that those conversations are hysterical, right? Because they're the same person. Excuse me. I, I love you. you. Excuse me. I love excuse you. Me. I love I excuse me. me. This has got to be one of our clips. <laughs> this is like there you and you I bat- battling over a soundbite for the See, future. So we're it's, getting some positives out of this show at the yes, very least. Yes, we are. And there and, we go. And I'm happy we, we are because, look, I love me some Hacksaw Jim Duggan. We grew up in upstate New York. Not quite the same part, but close enough. I lived in that neck of the woods for about three years. I get it. I, my notes for this segment literally are, Brother Love interviews Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Nothing noteworthy happens. And it's not even like it's a segment like they would have with, Cage matches of that era Where they needed to fill time In order to get the ring set up There was no purpose for this None It didn't set up a storyline It didn't set up an angle 
this almost seemed like they timed out the show and it came out to like 2.23 and they said, oh crap, minutes, we need something. to fill six minutes. Yep. Uh, send Pritchard out there. Who do we have? Uh, Duggan, go out there with him. Find something to do. Make it work. It, it is because it you, you take the four things on the show that are worth it, put them on a Saturday's main event, and everything else is superstars stuff. Yeah, like that's everything else sure. just felt like a match you'd see on Superstars, and those would what are these are the matches you'd expect to see on Superstars, right? Okay, look, they're building up uh, Rick Rude now, so we're gonna see Rick Rude get a win over JYD. Oh, oh look, they're building up whoever uh, you know, uh, Bad News, so he's gonna get a win over Patera. Like this, just they didn't have the formula quite down yet for the for pay per views at, at this time. They'd get there. And they and they do a much better job now. Even for as much as we give the weekly TV crap, they still do a pretty good job of elevating things on the pay per views. And a and a lot of the pay per views that we actually expect the least from are the ones that are actually the best, <laughs> where they actually uh, are surprisingly yeah. good. And and just to give them some credit, they did a far better job with the next year's SummerSlam than they did with this one. SummerSlam '89 has that terrific Ultimate Warrior Rick Rude match, as well as a couple of others that were pretty darn good. I think we watched that a while back. I think it we might did have too. been one of the first ones we did. Yeah, I think so too. That as was the, the show with uh, Jesse Ventura ranting about how you could shoot someone as long as it's outside the ring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, um, that was Shivani, right? I think uh, it's yeah, Shiv- Shivani. That's outside the ring, Jesse. You're yeah. dumber than Monsoon. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, we get next the Honky Tonk Man who is in the ring for his IC title. Can defense. I say it? Can I say it? Yes, you can. Give me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't care who it is. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And he, yeah, exactly what he says. Doesn't care who is. Honky was the champ for 454 days. So the uh, longest IC champ ever. And we hear the ultimate warriors music hit and the, the the pop is big. Audience is nuts for the ultimate warrior. He runs down to the ring and as uh, the thing says, and his opponent that, uh, that was how it started. Fink says, and his opponent, that's when Honky grabs the mic, says the line Andrew mentioned, Warriors music hits, insane reaction, he comes bolting into the ring, punches, and the bell does ring, it does ring right away, and Gorilla, this place is going bananas, and And it was, it really was, big body slam, flying shoulder tackle, clothesline, he runs the ropes, we get the big splash, and the pin, 31 seconds A star was born here Jimmy Hart's kind of going nuts Outside the ring Honky can't even get his Elvis suit off That was a line that Jesse says on a different pay-per-view Look at this Honky couldn't even get his Elvis suit off And, and that was That was what happened here As uh, you know the warrior just Overwhelms him completely We have a new IC Champ And this was big this is the the end of a huge long run, and you have him honky tonk losing thirty seconds to a fairly unproven star at this point. Ultimate Warrior, uh, big moment, changing of the guard moment, and you built a guy who, like Warrior or not, he is 
not a perfect person we have discussed some of his flaws and we will i'm sure in, in more times when we uh, when we talk about you know his flaws inside and outside of the ring but he did he was a very good big match wrestler a lot of the the, the shows where he was asked a lot of to be in a main event position or where a show was sort of built around him he really did deliver which is kind of funny he just um he wasn't someone that necessarily um had the greatest run once the title was put on him, but he still had some pretty good. You think about, you know, his run of big matches, his rude stuff, Hogan, the savage matches were all pretty good. And those were, you know, really the biggest matches of his life. So, um, another spot here where all he had to do was go in, hit, you know, do the, the greatest hits, but he did them all crowd was into it. And we've got ultimate warrior as your new IC champ. Yeah. So, Touching on a couple of points that you made here. First of all, the Honky Tonk Man was never supposed to be Intercontinental Champion. The Honky Tonk Man benefited from Ricky Steamboat fresh off of one of the greatest wrestling matches in the history of WWF, maybe professional wrestling as a whole, going to Vince McMahon and saying, look, my wife's about to give birth. I'm taking some time off. They needed to find another Intercontinental Champion. There's the Honky Tonk Man. He wasn't supposed to win the belt. He holds it for more than a year. And it's not that he holds the belt that's the most infuriating thing for WWF fans. It's how he held the belt. Every dirty trick in the book, winning by disqualification, Jimmy Hart with the megaphone, the guitar, every little trick that you can imagine. People hated this guy. And it wasn't because he was some you know, tremendous threat to anybody. He was the little pest that wasn't supposed to have the gold. Well, Brutus Beefcake gets hurt. Who's the mystery opponent? And then you have the perfect storm. You have the Warriors theme music, which is perfect for this setting. If you can find me a better surprise run in theme music other than Steve Austin's glass breaking, I don't know what it is. You get that, check the box. It's New York. New York likes big muscle-bound guys. Check the box. Crowd's hot and desperately looking for someone new to cheer, especially after a couple of matches where the heels go over. Check the box. You get Warrior with high-impact moves. Check the box. One big splash, new champion, crowd goes bonkers. This was perfect booking. And I'm going to argue something here, Gino. I'm going to argue this was a five-star match. What was wrong with it? Tell me what more you would have wanted accomplished here. We, we don't have to say it's the greatest match of all time, but we can say this segment was done as well as possible. When you're grading this segment, this match, what else could you have done? Exactly. You- Warriors made a star here. And this was a time where WWF, needed a sort of number three baby face because they did not have it at the moment. You had Hogan, you had Savage. And then there was a big gulf back to the rest of the mid card. Uh, You look at some of the guys on the show. Yeah, you've got the Bulldogs and they were over, but they were a tag team act. They weren't a single. Junkyard Dog wasn't going to be the number three guy. And with the way that WWF did business at the time with their house shows, they would have a couple of different loops of house shows going at a particular time. 
So you could have Hogan and Savage headlining the A shows. You would need someone headlining the B shows. They actually made mention of this being a very successful period for WWF business during the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD. They actually give Warrior credit for helping to sell out some of those B-level shows. While Hogan and Savage were in town A, Warrior was headlining in town B against, say, the Honky Tonk Man, against your Rick Rudes of the world, etc., etc. They needed that number three guy. And not only was Warrior the number three guy, in a couple of years, he'd be the number one guy. And we get an intermission. We get that in old school uh, pay-per-views. Gorilla and superstar Billy Graham bring us back when we get a video, a small little video package, and Bobby Heenan walks up to the announcers. He almost falls out of the booth. He does. <laughs> he was pretty funny. Superstar he, Billy Graham has to hold him. <laughs> he says, I got a special report here. It's a, a Bobby tell-all. He says, you know, Andre, and uh, he's just calm backstage reading the Wall Street Journal. Ted is counting the money. Virgil's just enjoying it all. And the crowd is chanting, weasel, weasel, weasel. He says, from his sources, the mega bucks, uh, or excuse me, the mega powers have put their dresser in front of the door. They're scared to let anyone in. And uh, I, I like the way this worked. It Gorilla interrupts him and says, we're not, we're not going to have any of that. We're not taking any of those lies. Let's get to the ring. And then they get right to the next match. So uh, Bobby injecting a little bit of life here right after the intermission. And uh, he does stick around for uh, a little bit in in part of this match. Um, Thank goodness, because uh, this match is horrible. So bad. I mean, we get a rematch from WrestleMania 4. Dino Bravo versus Don Morocco. Frenchie is with Dino. By the four, this match went 5.30. By the four-minute match, these two were blown up. These guys were big. They were roided out at this time. Uh, they're huge. They can't go long. Um, it, it, there's there's nothing really good about this match whatsoever. We get a side Russian leg sweep from Morocco, a back body drop. Frenchie Martin jumps on the apron, so Morocco goes after him. Uh, then he picks up Dino Bravo. When he does, Dino Bravo kind of bumps into the referee, and then Dino Bravo ends up picking up Morocco. It's a sidewalk slam, which was his finisher. A finisher, which is an awful finisher. Same sort of thing. Like, this is not a pay-per-view match. No. No, it is not. First of all, and this is where we get some levity here. Is it awkward for anybody else when they refer to Don Morocco as The Rock? (laughs) Is it just me? No, he's not. No, it doesn't hold up well. No. No, no, he is not. Now... Don Morocco was an accomplished actor. I don't know how many of you out there know this, but he had a turn in the critically acclaimed short Fuji Vice. And if you have not seen Fuji Vice, I implore you, hit the pause button on this podcast, go to YouTube, look up Fuji Vice. Okay, you're back. Wasn't that funny? Wasn't that terrific? It's great. So you get that. You get Superstar and Heenan going back and forth. This was the highlight of commentary because superstar Billy Graham got to be himself a little bit. And you could see Heenan was trying to poke and prod to get something out of him, and it worked. I honestly believe that if you had a three-man group 
with Heenan and Superstar playing off of each other, it could have worked. The problem was Superstar Billy Graham was counted on to do way, way, way too much, and it just didn't work. Now, they needed to do something, of course, because Bobby Heenan was managing so many people, including the Mega Bucks, who were in the main event. You needed to do something, but the way it was just didn't work out. This was as close as it got to working out. And you notice I have said nothing about the match. That's for a reason, because this match sucked. Yeah, it did. And uh, we uh, the best part was when it was over As we get to Jesse the Body Bandura He was uh, getting interviewed backstage by Sean Mooney It was funny as uh, they showed some footage And Sean Mooney let us know that Jesse had accepted money from DiBiase uh, Jesse said he, uh, he was the only man worldwide That could take care of a match of this magnitude And he said you know, what am I? What do you think I am? A, a fool or something? Of course I'm going to take some money If somebody puts it in my pocket So uh he said he can get he can take care of this match. He's no fool as we head to the ring and the Hart Foundation already in the ring. We don't they even They don't see even them. get an entrance. Which is really weird for the baby faces here, you know? Um so they're in the ring and it's Hart Foundation versus Demolition, Axe and Smash with Mr. Fuji and Jimmy Hart versus the the Hart Foundation, Brett and Jim the Anvil Nyhart. Gorilla mentions very early on in this match that Brett has Excellence of execution. Always, uh, always laugh when I when I hear that one. And we get Brett uh, um, early on. He's you know showing off with some of his speed. Jim Nyhart using some of his strength here, and he hits the big shoulder block and then axe with the boot to the head. Demolitions in control here for a little bit. So at one point, the ref gets distracted by Jimmy Hart and. We actually see the anvil chase Jimmy Hart to the back as Brett continues to sell well. This thing went 10, almost 11 minutes, about 10.50. It was a little slow in the middle. Brett selling for you know probably about six minutes or so of the match, probably about half of it. And you get a hot tag to anvil, house of fire, and the crowd goes really nuts. I thought the last three to four minutes of this match were very good. And I really like that And I had this match at Close to three, maybe just under three Closest to a, the three star match I, I yeah, I, I probably Thought the first, the opening tag match Was a, maybe a little bit better But I just liked this match overall More at a cleaner like Not clean ending, but it has an ending And it had a little more purpose to it um, We get uh, a couple of the cool spots where Brett would slingshot Anvil over the top rope. He goes flying shoulder tackle. And then another one where he kind of just like Irish whips him. And, and they're really using uh, the Anvil um, as like a weapon, which I, I thought was pretty cool. Um, we get the power slam for two. And they, as they look like they're about to win. We get the, as Gorilla says, the miscarriage of justice. Well, I, uh, what a good line. Right? <laughs> yeah, I have no... I really don't have any issue with this match. Uh, the only problem I have, I guess, is that I just know they have a better one coming up in a couple of years, and they have better ones together. But this was one of the better uh, ten-minute periods on the show in this match, and you know, couple slow spots in the middle, but overall, pretty good. Not a whole lot of bad things I have to say about this. This match was pretty good. You're right; they would have a better one down the line, but I don't have a whole heck of a lot to complain about here. The only thing that I'm going to bring up here, and this is what separated it from being a three-star match to what I had it as. I had it at two and a half, two and three quarters. 
how many times on this show did we get the tag behind the referee's back guy comes in and gets forced out of the ring spot? Gosh. Like, I understand doing it once. If you do it once, it's a very good spot. It's very effective, especially when the referee's ushering the guy out of the ring and you give the heels enough time to do a two-on-one move and rub it in. It's a good spot, but you can't do it more than once on a show. And it seemed like every tag match had that, at least in some way, shape, or form. Brett is bouncing around like crazy here for Demolition, and it made sense as to why. Demolition is supposed to be the WWF's version of the Road Warriors. So, of course, they're going to trot Brett out there to do a lot of the heavy lifting and take a beating because that's what Brett was really good at at this point. So, Brett takes the beating. Anvil gets a hot tag. He clears the ring, and this is what I loved. He does a slingshot over the top rope. Like, Lucha Anvil, where did that come from? Um, That was really cool. I enjoyed that. The crowd is hot for the hearts. They're thinking there's going to be a title change here. And then the demos get the megaphone from Jimmy Hart. Whack onto the back of Bret Hart. And there we go. A miscarriage of justice. Da-da-da-da-da. Also, I will take this time at this point to do a cheap plug here. The website uh, Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E, has those NBA Jam-style shirts for WWE tag teams. They have one for the Hart Foundation. I have it. It is great. Uh, Jim Neidhart has full bars for both laugh and goatee, and I think that is a perfect rating. <laughs> I, I bet you didn't think we were going there, did you? <laughs> you know, we, we're going to have some fun with you no matter what. And, uh, yeah, this this match was one of the better spots on the show. We get the, uh, you know, the schmozzy uh, ending where Jimmy uh, Jimmy Hart runs back down to the ringside. He tosses the megaphone to Axe, and then they hit Brett in the head. But, again, that made sense. It did, because you chased him off before. The-, the heels have two... Uh, heel managers out there So you're playing that game It does, it makes sense And you also had the house show circuit Wherein they were probably rerunning Versions of that match For three months before and three months after And it would always get people coming back Because the hearts would always be so close To getting the titles And in that case it worked It's just a far different business model now Than it was 33 years ago We then get to the honky tonk man and, and uh, honky tonk man and Jimmy Hart backstage being interviewed. They've got they're in the heel locker room here. This was funny. Dino Bravo, the Rujos, Nikolai Volkov, and Honky is just furious. He says he's been ripped off. He's been robbed. He said he would face anyone, but not a warrior. He said he's going to get his belt back. This was great. Uh, really good heel stuff, as you'd imagine, from Honky and Jimmy and all these guys. As he's just uh, incredulous uh, after getting his title stolen from him. Yeah, this was fine. The I said I'd wrestle anybody. I never said I'd wrestle the warrior thing. That was pretty good. It's a heel finally getting his comeuppance. It's mm-hmm. everything a lot of wrestling fans wanted for more than a year. And Honky would take a pretty steep dive down the card here. Of course, the lowest point probably being WrestleMania six when he did that song with Greg Valentine as part of Rhythm and Blues. Less said about that, the better. But you know what? Honky Tonk Man got got more than a year with that title, still the longest reigning intercontinental champion, and you got a brief head nod to him in the glory days of Santino Morella when he would bring out the Honkometer. 
How good was the Honkaneer? It was very good. Santino's <laughs> it was underrated for some of his comedy stuff. It, it, it actually is not bad. You know, it isn't. As uh, we get to the big boss man with with Slick here. And uh, boss man, new heel that they're trying to build up. And he attacks right away. He attacks Coco Beware from behind. Um, he tosses Coco out of the ring. Um, and then Coco, uh, you know, big boss man gets tied up in the ropes. And this was a kind of a cool spot. Coco hits a drop kick and then he splashes him while he's caught up in the ropes. Then uh, boss man takes over. Just another one, though, where this thing went about six minutes. It would have been fine if it was half with three because it's just a boss man basic squash. Uh, he hits the splash on the back of Coco. Um, he goes up to the top. He jumps off, but Coco moves out of the way. Um, but he sort of, this was a weird spot. He sort of kind of got him, and the announcers didn't really know how to sell this. So, you know, boss man goes for a, a splash in the corner, but Coco moves. Boss, uh, big boss man ends up uh, crotched up on the top rope. Coco goes up, hits a drop kick, and then a splash. But the big boss man easily kicks out, and then. A bad spot in the corner where uh, he boss man tosses Coco into the turnbuckle, and then he hits his boss man slam, which Gorilla called that patented side move of his for the win <laughs> at just under six. <laughs> so this is actually the first time we're going to disagree on something on this show because I liked this more than you did, and I found it entertaining because Coco Beware did everything possible to make this guy. And at this point, Bossman is very, very green. He had just joined the WWF two months prior to this show, and they're trying to get him over as this up-and-coming heel. They put him with Slick. Slick gets a really good line. You mentioned that corner splash. They cut to Slick, and right on cue, he says, I told him to do that. I told him to do that. And you don't get that out of managers nowadays who are just sort of there to shout encouragement and whatnot. You don't get that sense of strategy that you got in previous years. It's a completely different role. Now, Coco actually gets a little bit of a rally and gets the crowd fired up. He hits this gorgeous missile drop kick that the crowd actually sort of bought, might have a chance at a finish. But then after a two count, Bossman does that great push up out of a pinfall and Coco Beware goes flying into the second rope, the middle turnbuckle area. And that's when, you know, oh, 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 okay. It's I equate that to a one seed against a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. And the 16 seed goes on like a five nothing run to get a timeout digits. You call the one timeout and then it's, oh, business as usual. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. I thought this was fine. Then again, if history is saying anything, it's that I appreciate Big Boss Man's work a lot more now than I think a lot of other people did at the time because he turned into a pretty darn good worker that I always felt didn't quite get his due. He should have at least gotten one Intercontinental title run at some point. Post-match, he attacks Coco, nails him with the nightstick in the ribs. Coco does a good job, as you said, bumping around throughout the match. And even post-match here, um, they uh, show us a little video for Survivor Series. And we then get the celebration in the babyface locker room with the Ultimate Warrior, JYD, the Bulldogs, Morocco are back there with Sean Mooney. He interviews the, the Warrior who goes ballistic like always 
But the, what the, line, the hell is he saying? I have no clue. The one, <laughs> none. The one line that I did, uh, you know, note at the very end was that he said, you know, you want me come. I'm not hard to find because I'll be on the next spaceship to parts unknown. Okay, I, I have several things here. First of all, if you notice, Davy Boy Smith looks baked out of his mind. And he's like elbowing people out of the shot so that he can do a goofy smile in front and point to Warrior. I have to think there was a rib going on in some form or fashion there. And if you're curious, just go back and take a look. So literally, I'm trying to find what Warrior is saying. And I watched the promo a couple of different times. Still couldn't get it. The one thing Warrior did do a good job of later in his career was cutting these slow promos. He had a couple of really good ones against Randy Savage leading up to their match at WrestleMania 7. Even the promo about taking the plane of Hulkamaniacs into a nosedive, his delivery got far better than what it was here. Here it was just the ramblings of a madman, and you could never understand what the heck he was talking about. At least he got better in that regard. But here's my other question. So let's just review this sentence for a minute. I'm not hard to find. I'll be on the next spaceship to parts unknown. Where? Where is parts unknown? Wait, I'm looking for you. Where? I'm. I hate parts unknown. I sent an. I, I sent mean, a letter to parts unknown, and it came back. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such phone. You know. So. Yeah, anyway, that, that's the kind I of tangent saying, yeah, that we get on like, uh, SummerSlam 88. You, 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 you can't find someone in Parts Unknown because you don't know where Parts Unknown is. Now, this is where I bring up Bobby Heenan had a great line on that self-destruction DVD where he claimed the Ultimate Warrior was too stupid to know where he was from and that somebody said, hey, here's 50 bucks, don't say you're from Ohio. Even when he was suffering from throat cancer, Bobby Heenan was quick as anybody. Uh, but yeah. This was Warrior at the peak of his confusing, rambling promo stage, and it's it's special, Chino. It's special. Yeah. <laughs> we would see glimpses of the Warrior that we would know for the coming years as we get set for Jake the Snake Roberts versus Hercules and a big pop for Jake, who I mentioned earlier that uh, Jake is in, in great, great shape here, and uh, Bobby... Jumps um or Gorilla keeps asking why Bobby isn't around. No Bobby Heenan out there with Hercules, as Bobby is going to uh, be ringside in the main event with Andre. So that was sort of the excuse that they would uh, they would have to tell. And this thing went over ten minutes, and you know, you know I'm just gonna take a nap. Can you wake me up when the match is over, please? I just like, you know, Jake's in great shape, but. It's there's just nothing. There's so much chin lock no. in this match. So oh. much headlock. The there's a point the last maybe two minutes where it's fine. Jake gets up. Hercules uh, hits an elbow and Jake gets knocked out. Uh, knocked outside of the uh, the 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 ground. Um, they go back and forth and then Jake pulls Hercules out of the ring. We get a neck breaker and another. But then another. A chin lock attempt but Jake does a, The kind of the sit down sort of jawbreaker, neckbreaker thing um, Then his short clothesline 
Hercules the the ending I'm fine with because they're they're sort of selling the story like they do with the RKO. Hercules is in control again. Um, he busts out of a DDT attempt. He hits a back body drop. Jake goes for a knee lift. So it, it looks like Hercules is in complete control. He goes for an elbow drop for two. And then he looks like he's going to pick up Jake for a body slam. Jake just slips out of it and he hits the DDT out of nowhere. The last two minutes, fine, good. There's just like in the first minute or two, it's fine. A feeling out process like should be in any match. There's so much of this. There's like six minutes of this that's just nothing. Nothing. So here's a fun challenge for you. What's Jake Roberts' best match in WWF? You know what's funny? It's I'm glad you asked that because I actually went and was thinking the exact same thing and started to look at, look it up. And I think there are a few that are on um, Saturday night's main event. One of them with Macho that ends their feud. I think it's in early 92. There right is, before he left, yeah. Right before he left. There is a good one with, I think there's one with Steamboat. There's one with Rude. There's one with Steamboat where he has a line that he says before he comes out um, on Saturday night's main event. He says something like, uh, dragons and snakes have never been fans of each other or something along those lines, which is, is pretty cool. And then he comes out and they actually have a pretty good match. The Undertaker match is up there at WrestleMania. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's in that range, but that that's the problem. There isn't one that you think of immediately. Exactly. There just, there just isn't. And there for should a, be. Yeah. For as good a promo guy as Jake was, for as much as he knew about in-ring psychology, and the ability to build up a program and build up a match. At some point, you've got to deliver from bell to bell. And that just was not the strength of Jake Roberts on this kind of stage. He was another guy that had a lot of matches in Mid-South that were pretty darn good, albeit with a completely different character, different focus, different twists, different everything. It's another case where if you haven't seen Mid-South from the early to mid-80s, you should. You'll come away with a different appreciation of guys like the Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ted DiBiase, my goodness. Um, but still, you get a guy in Jake Roberts who is a genius, a literal genius at figuring out how to build up a, pro- a program. The biggest example of this, I thought, was in my all-time favorite Royal Rumble, the one that Flair won. After he comes out, every time someone comes in, he's looking up the ramp just a little bit, just in case it's Randy Savage so he has some lead time. That's brilliant. Nobody else would do that. Nobody else would even think to do that. Jake Roberts did. That gives you an idea of how smart the guy was. But then from bell to bell, it's just not there. And we've given him a lot of chances on a lot of different rewatches to show that it's there. And it's not. There's and nothing that jumps out. There's just nothing like the, the Undertaker match is good. That's one that that's a good match. And it and it's it's better be it's good because you sort of aren't expecting it to be it's a pretty quick pace. They work fast. It's not quite as slow. He tries to get a little more aggressive going after the Undertaker than he does when he's a little more methodical in a lot of his matches. But it's just yeah, ever like Everything I come out of just going, okay, okay. It's just there. And yeah, I, I don't know this for sure, 
But I have to wonder what would have happened if Jake Roberts had stayed on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. and if that would have affected anything. Now, it's entirely possible, by the way, that if he had stayed on the straight and narrow and stayed away from drugs and booze and all that stuff, we wouldn't have gotten some of the promos that we would have gotten. Yep. So it would have been a heck of a trade-off just to see how things look in some alternate universe. But on a bigger note, thank God he's still alive. Like The fact that the guy is still as sharp as he is in interviews, you can tell that he has just been through so much and has such a unique perspective on everything. He's a fascinating sit-down guy. But this match in particular, just, oh boy. Add into the fact that it's right before the main event that everybody's paying their money to see. And they're waiting to see, and they're excited to see. Yeah, it's just dragging. It's just yeah. going Add dragging. in that Hercules, while he's not a terrible worker, is just sort of there. And you get a match that really is a superstars match. It's not a SummerSlam match. And if you tune into this pay-per-view and you're expecting a bunch of blow-offs and a bunch of five-star matches, you're not going to get that. And this is one of those examples of why. In present-day WWE, maybe this makes main event. I don't know. It's certainly not on any show that anybody's paying any money to see. The, the main event, did really feel like one I will say It felt like the show was built around this You had Hogan in a spot where he wasn't around a whole lot After Wrestlemania He was working on some movies and, and projects at the time And so Savage was was the guy Like that's why they ended up giving Savage the, the title at the point at this point Because Hogan was going to be away for a little while So it was the, the wasn't a surprise We knew But Savage was uh, went out and challenged DiBiase and Andre And said I will have a tag team partner And uh, he set it up So Hogan makes the the return It's going to be Hogan as the tag team partner here We got a video package We got all the build up we, They showed the double team attack We showed Macho uh, Virgil holding Elizabeth Making her watch as they beat him up And then Macho challenging um, Jesse the Body Ventura Chosen as the guest ref Heels laughing sort of like they paid him off and then Macho tells us about Hulk. So the the setup for this match from from the moment that we went to the start of the video package until the bell rings for the the start of the match. This was 12 minutes, 12 full minutes uh, from video package and then entrances. And you know what? It's fine because there wasn't a hell of a lot else on the show that was better than what we would have been seeing, like the build around this match, anyways. And this was what people paid for and they wanted exactly. To see. And you know what? It it was good, and it felt even better than it probably was because a lot of the show, it it reminds me of a, you know, someone gets married and the the uh, the bride will have the bridesmaids' dresses be as awful as possible. That way, she'll look a little better. Than, than normal. This is sort of people what people do. That this is that's an actual is, thing people this, do. This is sort of like what this is like, right? Okay. Where you just uh, have pause, the rest pause, of pause, pause, the pause. undercard be terrible, so the main event looks a little better. Hey, Gina, <laughs> I I need to make a public service announcement here because I'm going to four weddings in six weeks later this year, <laughs> and I know there's some people that are really sick and tired of hearing that, but. If anyone out there is, say, a potentially new bride, and for the life of me, I have no idea why, if you're a new bride, you're listening to our show. If you are, first of all, thank you. Second of all, congratulations. Third of all, don't do what Gino's laying out. 
It's stupid, and people will absolutely know what you're doing. Yeah. Don't think for a second that your bridesmaids don't know they're being made to look like crap so that you can look like the glowing bride you want to be on your wedding day. Just don't do it. And that might be the last tangent on this show, and that's a heck of a promo I just cut. It was a good one, and that was, <laughs> and that was what, uh, what this sort of felt like. Um, this was fun. It, it was. We... You know, we're going to get a lot of bells and whistles out there as Jesse's, you know, even in the lead up, we get Jesse kind of saying he's not afraid of anyone. And um, and then we get Andre and Ted and Virgil and Bobby kind of intimidating him and then they pay him off. So fun stories, fun angles with this as Jesse the Body Ventura is the first one out. Then the Megabucks at a combined 780 pounds, Andre, DiBiase, Bobby the Brain and Virgil. And I love the uh, the backstage entrance. We see Macho and Hulk and Miss Elizabeth walking backstage, and we see them walking through the curtain. Really felt like a huge, huge match. We get the tons of build up, and finally, twelve minutes later, we're ready after the video packages and everything are set. The bell rings. Macho and Andre start. Uh, DiBiase gets in, and then uh, Hogan's in. The baby faces are working really well early on. Quick tags. Crowd just going nuts. Big pops for Macho and for uh, for Hulk as they work on Ted quickly. Double big boot for two. Hulk Hogan with the elbow drop. He's flying around. Um, Andre headbutts, leaves Hulk down, and then Andre tags in and goes to work. He sits down on Hulk. Heels doing the double team. DiBiase comes in. He's surgical. The headlock uh, crowded just into this from the get-go all throughout. Superstar Billy Graham, I just wrote multiple times He's yelling too much It's not good <laughs> He just doesn't get the tone <laughs> and cadence you need <laughs> Hulk Hogan's getting taken down for maybe about five plus minutes here But he battles up And it's a double clothesline As both Hogan and DiBiase are down We get a hot tag from Macho He is a house of fire here on Ted Writes, Irish whip, back body drop Then he pulls the stun gun where he he uh, leaps over the top rope and kind of hangs up Ted like a like a neckbreaker across the top rope. Double axe handle, such such prime Savage as he's just bouncing around high cross body for two. Savage gets knocked down, so Andre tags in. He squashes Macho in the corner by sitting on him. Gorilla and Billy Graham start screaming about Jesse's integrity. He needs to step in there and he needs to actually referee this match. We get a beautiful. Textbook looking suplex by DiBiase on Macho Man And the crowd starts to get real quiet As Gorilla says Sort of a hush falls over the crowd Macho Man moves out of the way of an elbow And he tags in Hulk We get a big nice looking suplex by Hulk Hogan too On DiBiase Then a clothesline on Andre Uh, Macho goes up top But Andre um, is able to catch him off the top rope With a big boot and Andre saves DiBiase from a sleeper. He cleans house and he tosses Hulk and Macho outside to the floor as we get the buildup for the finishing spot. Miss Elizabeth jumps on the ring apron and Jesse the Body Ventura tries to get her down, but she walks around the ring across and with Bobby and Virgil up on the other side of the ring apron and DiBiase and Andre looking at her And Jesse in the ring So all five men are basically standing right there All five men on the heelish side Standing right there As she takes off the, the skirt That she's wearing And she reveals that she just has What would be like a bathing suit Underwear bottoms on 
and DiBiase. He's my favorite. The response. He is just freaking out. Freaking out here. <laughs> Bobby doesn't know what to do. It Jesse is frozen. It's like none of these guys have ever seen a woman in a bathing suit before ever. And hey, it's Hulk, a family show. Family it show. Is, it is. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man come up from behind. Uh, Macho with the double axe handle to Andre. Then he heads over and takes care of Heenan. Hogan with the body slam. And then he puts his foot on Ted's chest while Macho Man comes off with the flying elbow. But of course, we're going to get the leg drop after that because we need Hogan for the pin. Jesse doesn't want to count the three, but he does reluctantly as Hulk Hogan's music plays and the mega powers celebrate. And we get the little seed planted at the end, Andrew, when they're celebrating and Macho Man's up on the uh, on the second rope and he's cheering and he's playing to the crowd and he looks down and Hulk Hogan has picked up Miss Elizabeth in like a hug and he's kind of twirling her around in a hug and they're laughing and he's looking into each other's eyes and Macho jumps down and he kind of taps him and he points and says, what, what's going on and they quickly kind of shrug it off and then a few seconds later they're all celebrating again but this is like the first Little seed that's planted In you know This show wasn't great But this was a really good time period For the WWF Apparently um, uh, Everything with Macho as the champ And then his run And then with Hogan chasing him When you, you, you read Meltzer stuff he, he mentions that this was a great time for them How shows were really good Meltzer a lot of the time talks about how They should have had Savage actually win at Mania 5 by DQ Just to elongate that feud Even more because everybody Knew Hogan was going to win it back And then once he did that kind of Ended going to the house Shows and everybody wanting to go and pay For it to see this was One of the better stories they ever told They were subtle about it They didn't hit you over the face but you saw The the beginning of it right here And this was a good main event on a bad show A a good way to end So I disagree with that notion of, hey, let's do a DQ finish at Mania to benefit house shows. No, no, no. And that, that, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. That was oh, Meltzer's. I, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. It's just, that was Meltzer's I, take. And that, I, I, don't, I don't know if I disagree with it. I don't agree with it because Mania at this point was the end of the, the culmination of feuds. But it just yeah. goes to show you that the uh, Hogan chasing Savage and the Hogan Savage story. Was one of the better and more well-received stories that this company has ever told in in their, you know, what now close to coming on forty years. You know, Meltzer also, of course, said that they should have held WrestleMania six in Japan. That way, Hogan Savage may have been able to hit five that stars. Is, that is true. That is. Thank true. you, thank that you, is, ladies well and gentlemen. Done. I'm here well for done. the week. Tip well the waitress. Try the veal. Um. So the Hogan Savage story was genius because. There is a certain subset of wrestling fans, uh, Darren Zocali, <clears throat> you have a lozenge, um, who believe Hulk Hogan was in the wrong with literally everything he did. Much like people believe Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell was a gigantic jerk. Much like Time people out. think, yeah, <laughs> much like people who think everyone in the cast of How I Met Your Mother was just a horrible, god awful person except for Marshall Erickson, people think Hulk Hogan was completely in the wrong the entire time of his wrestling career. And you know what? Everybody's been in a relationship 
with someone who has had a friend. And when you confront them about that person, they say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everyone can relate to Randy Savage here. Everybody can. And at the same time, everybody can relate to Hogan because we've all known somebody that has become a completely different person because of a relationship. Gino, wrestling is at its best when it is simple. Simple. It doesn't need to be reinventing the wheel. We We've don't all been to- here. You said it. We can all relate to this. We've all been in a situation where you're looking at your buddy going, you really think I'm trying to get at your girlfriend? Like you, you thought that I was trying to do that? And we've all been in that. And we've all been in that where someone gets a little crazy and then afterwards says, oh, I'm sorry. It's just it's such an easy, relatable moment. And they get a little too cute nowadays. They try to get a, a, ahead of themselves. This was well done, well told, and you know, a a good like I don't know what you had this. I probably had it as maybe three and a half. Maybe you can get to three and a half. It's not that it was better than the other tags. It just felt a lot more important. So like I could I could get to the the three to three and a half range with this match. It was fun. Yeah, it was good. It was what they wanted from a main event at this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, good good way to end a bad a bad show and. Moving forward, there would be a lot of fun Mega Powers moments in the next what, Survivor Series, Rumble, and then uh, a couple Saturday Night's main events along the way, setting us up for WrestleMania Five. Yeah, I added it three stars. It's fine. Hogan is secretly a tremendous tag match wrestler, and he would have He's one of my perfect favorite in the tag, right? Yeah, he would have one of my favorite not just tag matches, but favorite matches in TV WWE history when he teamed with Edge to face Billy and Chuck for the tag titles. That was an eight-minute match on SmackDown, and it's one of the most entertaining tag matches I have ever seen. It is not fundamentally perfect, but it's perfectly constructed from bell to bell. You get Hogan in the perfect amounts at the perfect times. It's never overbearing, and they use that tag team to help make Edge into a star. Everybody wins. Can't believe that did not go on longer than it did, but I digress. Anyway, this match was good. I can't call it great, but it was good. It got hurt a little bit by the fact that there was never any way Hogan and Savage were seen as losing. It just wasn't going to happen. That wasn't the way these pay-per-views were constructed at that point. You knew Hogan and Savage were going to find a way to win. It was how they won that was a little bit newsworthy because... This was a family show in the late 80s. And the fact that Elizabeth did so much as she did with the image she had as not being someone that showed a lot of skin. This wasn't Sunny. This wasn't no, Sable. She it was wasn't Missy gown. Hyatt either. No, this was an evening gown wearing, they called her the first lady of wrestling. She was a princess. Yes. That's how they treated her. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it worked. Because it wasn't overly scandalous. It was fun. And it was harmless. And it didn't do anybody any harm. It was a fun way to tell that story. And then you had the stuff after the bell, which we've already talked about. Good end to a bad show. I think you nailed it. So we uh, we got through this one. We had some fun talking about it still. It wasn't... There are going to be worse shows we watched There were some okay things to above average Things on the show it's just There were so many things that were unnecessary That just felt like 
yeah, that would have been so much. It would have been better on superstars because when you're watching superstars at this point in 1988, you're going, oh, cool, Jake the Snake's on my TV, right? Like that's all you need at that time. You weren't used yeah. to even seeing, like, just seeing any big star against jobber A, B, whoever. That was fine. That's what you were needed at the time. Oh wow, bad news. Bad News Brown, they're building him up Remember he won that battle royal at Wrestlemania 4 And so, oh, I wonder what Like, that's fine, you just They were still figuring things out um, At least you get Not as bad of a taste in your mouth When it ends With a positive note versus finishing Like, this match For as bad as all of it was The main event needed to be At least average to above average And it was and so for a lot of people, they probably went home happy here, celebrating Hogan must pose. They got what they wanted here. They saw Hogan back. They cheered with Andre, uh, with the uh, with Macho Man for beating the 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 evil heels. So yeah, I I apologize. Like I said, I would have I would have laughed and and set you up more about it if I thought this was a bad show. But I I thought it was better than this. It's just memorable for being the first SummerSlam, and I do I do definitely remember that the next two. Um, have a couple better matches overall. Like the Rude Warrior match at the next one is better. Ninety Demolition Heart Foundation. Those two matches are better than anything we got on this show. And it's not particularly close either. No. Seriously, if you haven't seen Warrior Rude from SummerSlam '89, go watch it. It's a legitimate four-star match. And maybe with the exception of his match with Randy Savage at WrestleMania Seven. That might be Ultimate Warrior's most technically sound match ever. It's a great match. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hogan's bigger, but that one as far as technically sound and sort of that was the one that was maybe the most important for him because that was the one that showed he can work the kind of main event match they would have needed. Warrior wasn't going to be able to do the kind of run in and have a two minute match at at the, the world title level. There were going to be times where he was going to have to sell. He was going to have to tell a story. He was going to have to get in there for 10 to 15 minutes or so. And when he showed he could do that with Rude, that was when I think Vince said, okay, you know what? That was the final thing I needed to see with him because he's connecting with the audience. He's batshit crazy with his promos, but there's something still kind of weirdly there. And he's got this lightning in a bottle thing. Let's go with him. You almost wonder if he didn't have that match with Rude And didn't kind of show he could do that That if Vince ever would have gone all the way with him So, um, and it is cool That we got to see the very beginning Of that start here in For what's a really bad show We remember We're, we're always going to remember a couple things From this show, we're always going to remember The Warrior Squash over Honky Tonk And we're going to remember the Miss Elizabeth Pulling the skirt up at the end So you know, in a show that didn't have a lot of great wing, ring work, there were some quote unquote WrestleMania type moments at this SummerSlam here. Um, so, Andrew Champagne, I believe when we're recording this, we're about a week out from, uh, we're recording it on Tuesday night, a week before Saratoga and Del Mar open. So, the next show that we discuss will probably be when our buddy Darren is back from the Bahamas. And it might be in a few weeks from now because I might try to take advantage of you guys to talk a little opening Saratoga with me. But oh, next, gee, I think I can do that. I, I'm gonna have to twist your arm a bit there. Uh, but next time we reconvene for our next old wrestling rewatch, where are we going to be heading as you make the selection? Sure. So I gave a little foreshadowing a couple of different times because 
I had an idea to basically reserve my next two turns in advance. So the next time we get together, we'll talk about one show. We'll do Darren's show. We'll do your show. And then we'll do another show that I'm going to pick out in advance. So it's funny that we mentioned SummerSlam 88 because this was a terrible show that the audience went home happy from because they saw what they wanted to see. The first part of my two-part expedition into the past is a good show. In fact, some would say it's a very good show, except for the fact that the crowd did not get what they wanted. They made no secret of that, and it wound up altering the booking for the biggest show of the year. Part one of my two-part expedition will take us back to the 2014 Royal Rumble. For those who are not familiar with the 2014 Royal Rumble, I am going to go to one of my favorite wrestling writers, a guy by the name of Scott Keith. Scott Keith runs the Blog of Doom website, if you're out there. It's a fun little community for mega nerds of wrestling, of which I am one. So his recap of the 2014 Royal Rumble starts with a note that he received from a reader. It's a mailbag thing. And I need to read this, okay? So here's the mailbag entry. So far, everyone seems to think it's a surefire bet that Batista is winning the Rumble and then going on to headline mania against either Cena or Orton. But Batista, in his skinny jeans, Justin Bieber sweater, and nose stud, looked like King Douche of Douche Mountain last week. If he wins the Rumble, that will be going against everything the fans actually want to see. That seems like a recipe for the fans to almost immediately turn on the guy. And Batista versus either Orton or Cena as the main event of WrestleMania seems like the most boring thing to ever be considered. So my question is this. If that's the main event we're getting for WrestleMania, what are the odds the crowd craps all over it and spends the entire match chanting for Daniel Bryan. It seems like that would be an awful big embarrassment for the main event of the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania, but I feel like that may be the path we're heading down. So, part one of the rewatch will be the Royal Rumble in 2014, and I am calling dibs for the next time around to be WrestleMania. Perfect. That's a great story to tell. Opens and closes the show. We also get this this guy, this dead guy, uh, doing something he had never done at a WrestleMania before against this big Viking space lord with tattoos who had gone on to the UFC and had come back. Uh, Something about a streak. Um, And and uh, by the way, Gino, I'm, I'm blanking a little bit. Uh, for WrestleMania 30, was that at the Superdome or the Silver Dome? <laughs> Superdome. <laughs> it's a fun series of shows, and it's something that I think we needed to do because wrestling is such a great thing when it is done correctly. For a little while in 2014, it was not going to be done correctly. They reversed course. It was absolutely the right move. And there's no revisionist history out there saying otherwise. So I'm going to make an executive decision because I know that Darren will be okay with it. We're just going to make those two be our next two shows back to back. Okay. 
So that we'll just works. do those. Yeah, we'll just do those two in order. They're both really good shows too. The Rumble, there's a lot to talk about, and it'll perfectly lead into discussing everything for Mania, and then we'll let Darren pick uh, following that one. So I don't think he'll have a problem with that. We'll have a lot of fun talking about Daniel Bryan, the rise of Daniel Bryan, uh, Daniel Bryan as a f- member of the Wyatt family turning, and then the Royal Rumble, and and all of that good stuff leading up to one of the. I mean, honestly, you think about, you know, Hulk Hogan and Austin. We talked about Ultimate Warrior. You know, you think about some of the biggest stars in the history of the company. And a lot of them were were guys that Vince McMahon had picked out and had predetermined this is going to be the guy. Daniel Bryan is one of the few where he probably and Austin was sort of like this too. I don't he didn't he didn't want didn't realize Austin was going to be that big. He was one of the few where it got so big that it finally got to the point where Vince McMahon really couldn't do anything else about it. He had to go all in with this guy. It's a bummer for how it sort of ended, but it actually you feel a little bit better knowing that Daniel Bryan was able to return again afterwards, have another run and have, you know, a, a match this year where he main evented Mania and he was able to come back and have these good moments again and again. So yeah, I even feel a little bit better about watching that show and this era, knowing that Daniel Bryan's still out there and uh, he's probably going to show back up in, in WWE in a, in a month or two, I'd say. So the thing that made me really queasy, the year after this was 2015, and that was when WrestleMania was up in Northern California. I was in Southern California at the time. I didn't have the foresight to decide I needed to go to WrestleMania, but I was at the Raw after WrestleMania in San Jose. Worked for TVG at the time. I was off on Monday, so up I went. He had a match with Dolph Ziggler that night, and it ended with dueling headbutts. Knowing what that must have done to his neck, I have never been able to rewatch that match back. I am so happy he was able to eventually come back to have some of these tremendous matches. His match with Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania is a five-star match. You can argue his match from this year against Roman Reigns and Edge was a five-star match. Wasn't crazy about the ending with Reigns pinning both guys, but other than that, it's a near-perfect match. It's good stuff. Daniel Bryan, one of the best to ever do it from bell to bell, and it's going to be really cool looking at these next two shows. Uh, I'm looking forward to these mat- these uh, shows would have been no doubt on the uh, on the list in one time and we, we would have recapped so I'm glad we're going to do them now we're heading back to 2014 we're going to talk the Royal Rumble and then we're going to head to WrestleMania so if you want to follow along with us um, into the the next few weeks those are the two shows that we'll be watching throw those on in the background and you'll have some fun as you hear us recap and review them and I believe we'll have DZ back with us when we do so Fingers, toes, and eyes crossed. He can't stay in the Bahamas forever. Am I right? I know, right? Well, I heard there's not enough bottled water over there, so hopefully he's got to come back soon. Tequila, water, (laughs) rust, the pipes. Oh wait, there's none of that either. Was gonna say so. uh, We'll we'll hear some of the positives and the negatives when he returns. That you know what? And I will say that was the one when we went to Disneyland. We and we went on July the third, so I was very nervous. I was like, oh, it's a weekend. It's a Saturday, Fourth of July weekend. But they are. Capping capacity so you know you have to Get tickets and reservations before So you can't just walk up and and Buy them and so the rides Everything we didn't wait more than 15 minutes for any Ride at Disneyland Is that legal on a Saturday 
July 3rd There's no fast passes right now going on So that makes the line move a lot quicker too Because everyone's just coming from the same side But what is a big problem And this is a major problem that A lot of people are dealing with People in the food and beverage industry Are not coming back to work And so that is that has hit Disneyland hard Because everything you have to purchase there Is on the app mobile Everything is mobile Which is you don't think of it as a big of an issue But like you want to go up and get some popcorn You're not planning 30 minutes ahead And that's what ends up happening You know we got the pineapple dole Thing for, for Stephanie It took 90 minutes They told her she put the order in It says come back in an hour We come back in an hour and then she has to wait 30 minutes in line After coming back an hour later So that was the only problem We waited in line 30 minutes twice for a churro And an ice cream and we didn't wait We waited 15 I waited 5 minutes for the Matterhorn 5 you oh, know, like, like we waited 10 minutes for for Splash Mountain literally walking It literally was just the, the distance of the Walking up onto it so Yeah the food and beverage stuff is One of the, the big problems out there that hopefully will get Resolved because we didn't have the I, I was man I was I was Stressed out going in oh no we're gonna deal with All these lines and we didn't so hey yeah, That was a that was a major positive there We'll have to hear from DZ when he gets back How his his big trip is and See, I can't wait to hear your the- vacations Are going to be so much better Than mine your wedding crashing of my Four weddings in six weeks My god But yeah on a serious note It's jarring because every Restaurant is feeling the crunch of the fact That hey people don't want to Come back and work for X dollars an hour plus tips It's a different world now and Especially in a case where some People are immune compromised Some people got COVID And haven't necessarily recovered I mean even just think about it this way There have to be people whose job it is to prepare and taste food. If they've lost their sense of taste, that's not good. I mean, it's one of those things where a lot of the things that I think we all took for granted, we're not taken for granted anymore. And if nothing else, if that's one of the silver linings in a pandemic, then, then so be it. But I'm happy that you guys enjoyed your trip to Disney. It certainly looked like Milo did. He did. uh, Yes. As I, as I've told your better half, he's you except actually cute. So I'm happy he wound up having a good time and know that I will be consistently looking for ways in which I can be the disruptive uncle who teaches him things that neither of you want him to learn. The problem is I can't teach him how to handicap a racing form because you've already got that. I can't teach him how to play blackjack. You'll probably teach him how to do that. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're making me go really deep into the degenerate playbook. If I have to teach him high lie, I'm not going to be happy. Andrew Champagne here with us each and every week on the old wrestling rewatch and uh before I let you go too I was I was uh, telling you how cool it, it is and I think I'd imagine that a lot of the people listening to this show are probably some of the people that I'm talking to in in this moment but I found out just looking around earlier today through some of the uh, the analytics from the show as far as the numbers of like where people are that listen to the show I'm always curious to look into some of those things and I I hadn't for the last couple months um kind of been paying attention to it we had people that have been listening to that's what G said podcast over the last 30 days so just in the last month and all of these were at least 
five different listens through the show. So like multiple people, it wasn't just like a random thing. There were multiple people listening up into the hundreds and even thousands for people out of the country from Ireland, Russia, the UK, Romania, Canada, Taiwan, Germany, Iran, India, Costa Rica, Denmark, the Netherlands, Brazil, Turkey, Chile, Zimbabwe, and Saudi Arabia, which I just thought was so cool. And I think it goes to show you that some of the things that we discuss here, wrestling, um, you know, horse racing, um, basketball right now is a, a sport that's a, a big time worldwide sport, people from all over. Um, they really they, they've been paying attention and that that's really cool. So thank you to everyone out there from all over. And uh, Andrew, big shout out to you. Thank you for helping us uh, spread the word. I, I thought that was like that made me as happy than more than like some of the shows where I get a we get the highest listener count. Just seeing how many people from all over that are uh, have some interest in this show. Dude, it's a small world, and if nothing else, we've learned that over the last year and a half, haven't we? But uh, it's it's really cool. Uh, and to those that have listened, to those that have spent some time listening to us, to those that have interacted with us on social media, thank you. This has been a highlight of mine over the last year and a half when everybody's been wondering, okay, so if we can't do this, 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 and this, what can we do? Well... Gino came up with this idea. We put it in motion. It has been a lot of fun being able to do this. And to those who think this is some sort of retrospective series finale, got some bad news for you. We've got a lot left to go. (laughs) And as long as Peacock has a library up, we will be there. I mean, we may well be doing this, you know, 40, 50 years from now, looking at like indie shows that are on whatever version of YouTube we're on. <laughs> we this will. is something all of us thoroughly enjoy doing, and we're happy that you've taken the ride along with us. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Andrew. Give Andrew a follow at the Andrew Champagne. Make sure to check out Andrew's podcast, Champagne and JD. Go give that a subscribe on YouTube. And when you follow Andrew on social media there on Twitter, you'll get information as to anytime he's got a good uh, new podcast coming out, anytime he's got an article written, any of his DRF spot plays or uh, anything that he's doing for uh, freelance work for other different sites, any of the work that he's doing, uh, which is really good charitable work right now. So, Andrew, buddy, thank you so much, and uh, look forward to uh, heading uh, and starting to talk about the the rise of Daniel Bryan when we reconvene here for the old wrestling rewatch. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Saratoga. Rest in peace, Harvey Pack. Andrew Champagne, classy as always as we finish up here on the old wrestling rewatch. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to finish up this episode of That's What She Said. And big thank you to Andrew for helping us out. Darren DZ will be back with us for the next Old Wrestling Rewatch. That's going to do it for this episode. But remember to head to manscaped.com. Use the promo code 2IDIOTS, T-W-O-I-D-I-O-T-S, and you will get 20% off your order and free shipping. If you're like me, if you're hairy, if you, uh, you know, it's a little nervous, kind of trimming in the downstairs area, we all got to keep it clean. Hey, it's something we don't love talking about, but we got we to gotta be realistic, right? Use that lawnmower 4.0, sleek. You don't have to worry about nicking yourself down there. You know, you don't want to cut the, the skin around. So promo code 2IDIOTS, T-W-O-I-D-I-O-T-S. We have so much set up for the next few weeks and on into the summer. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us again today, folks. Remember, share the show around with your friends if you can. We uh, really appreciate all the people listening. Thanks a lot. Joey's going to close it out for us.
see